0: If this doesn't work, I'm just going to I'm just going to quit. I'm done. <laughs> I'm just going to record it separately oh, again.
1: Go back home. Yep. I I give
0: I give up. Okay. What do I do? Do not disturb until this evening. I don't think 1 hour is going to cover it. Not for these pen casts. No.
1: Gosh. No. It won't be another 245 though.
0: No, let's let's go longer. Let's break that oh record.
1: God, I gotta go home.
0: I know, I do too. <laughs> My kids got a middle school. Oh, thing. that's right. Rachel yeah. telling me about that. Cookies, cookies, and coffee and curriculum. I there think is go. what it's called. I'm Sounds like, good. I like two out of those two two out three. Things. Yeah, exactly. All right, you ready?
1: Yes. Let's just go forth.
0: Here we go. There right. ho
1: <clears throat> Sally, fourth.
0: Welcome, everybody, to episode number seventy seventy of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we are going to be talking about a functional way for storing 100 plus pens. We have our favorite pens for each filling mechanism type. And which filling mechanism we feel is the best. Love making those decisions. Easy. Put on the spot. Uh, why blind caps are called blind caps and what those are if you're not familiar. Uh, if it's okay to write with someone else's fountain pen or if the unique writing styles will alter the nib or mess it up. Don't or even look at my pens. I won't. They're all brown anyway. I don't want anything to do with those. I'm just kidding. Um, How long bottled ink can last, especially if it's stored for a very long time. And we're going to be spotlighting the Jinhao X 159.
1: There's an X now. There's an
0: X in front of the 159. And we'll be sharing how our Thanksgivings went since that happened, uh, where we had some turkeys and potentially some hammocks because it was pretty warm. There was some hammock action happening at the Goulet household. Anyway, let's kick it off with some feedback.
1: Feeding back today, mm. well, first I wanted to just say um, thank you to Adrian, who came on last week, the last yes. episode. Uh, she is our customer care manager, and she asked me to remind everybody that our customer care team here is not just a bunch of people sitting around hoping that phones don't ring and live chats don't happen and emails never come in. They want to talk to you. They get excited mm-hmm. about that. She said, let people know. We want to talk to them. If they are just curious, they don't have to wait until there's a problem. If they're just wondering if they should get this or that, or if they don't know the difference between this thing or that thing, please let them know. Email info at gulaypens.com. Go on our website if the chat with us icon is there. That means there is somebody ready, willing, and happy to chat with you about anything pen-related. So please take advantage of our team. They really do get jazzed up about this stuff, and they are excited to do so with you at any time. Thank you. Well said. And then Rubik's Joe 15 said, thanks, Brian and Drew. This was one of the best PenCast episodes. Now that might seem like a pretty average comment, but Uh do you recall that it was two hours and 45 minutes, Brian?
0: I don't recall. I sort of fell into a vortex of some kind and then just like we time traveled and uh, we looked up and it was like, oh my gosh, how long have we been recording?
1: What kind of man (laughs) Joe thinks that a two hour and 45 minute episode is the best one?
0: I think Joe knows a good thing when he sees it.
1: Oh, I think Joe's a crazy man, but you know what? I love mm. him for it. So we're going to move on. Thank you, Joe to mm-hmm. Joan Worthman. And Joan says, I still think we need a sticker that says the pencast made me do it
0: with a picture <laughs>
1: of the Drule feed cleaner. Harumph. Mm. So apparently they're salty about the fact that this doesn't exist. Hence the harumph. Oh. But uh, oh. yeah, I uh, am all for a PenCast made maybe do it sticker. However, you know that that's 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 uh, us basically endorsing blame <laughs> for a multitude of things. Like who knows what that could get stuck on?
0: I mean, are we endorsing it or are we just kind of embracing
1: what's on? I don't know. I, like, like, like like what in the world could a car with that on its bumper do? What kind of chaos? That's true. I don't Maybe know. that
0: opens up some legal like liability It It does it does us. the
1: guy gets pulled over and the cops like, "Oh, Oh. Well, I'm going to ignore you. I know where to Pencast, go. Pencast, maybe do it. I'm going to go to the Degulé pen company.
0: We do not endorse crimes of any kind. Mm. So do not use us as justification <laughs> for anything negative. But that's that what way. a stinker
1: would does. It's basically <laughs> us putting the mark of Zorro on everything everybody touches that is devious <laughs> and ill advised.
0: Can we use the Pencast, maybe do it as a justification for ourselves? Or is that uh, a conflict of interest, perhaps? I
1: might be able to, because the, the, mm? the CEO would probably get blamed. But then again, Rachel technically is the owner. So, Rachel is uh, sort of my boss. So um, we can, yeah, I guess. Yeah?
0: Can we use that as a loose justification? Yeah, she,
1: she wouldn't do anything bad to us, I'm sure. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll try it out. I don't want to invoke We'll Carrad. test it out. And
0: if it works really well, we might have <laughs> to stick with that thing.
1: All right. And then finishing things up, Justice Castillo says, two questions. Can we see Drew's recipe or gardening journal? What are y'all using mm-hmm. for your 2023 planners slash journals? I added this one in the comments, not the questions, because it's a super quick answer. Okay. Uh, no, you cannot see it, Justice. I'm sorry, uh, because it is a hodgepodge and mess and very frequently updated. And I will say that... Um,
0: maybe that would be encouraging for folks. They'd be like, oh, if, if they're that bad at it, maybe there's hope for me.
1: Okay. well you Is know that what? inspiring?
0: I don't really know. I don't even know
1: if I have it with me.
0: My journaling... Oh, no. My, my journaling situation oh, is truly the hodgest of podges.
1: Yeah. So this isn't even a good book. Um, this was given to me by uh, Mr. Roy Kim, so um, let's see. Uh, yeah, what is that?
0: It's, it's just, What it's, is this journal?
1: It's an Uncharted journal with a fake bullet hole in it. It's from the video game, Uncharted. I
0: mean, that's cool.
1: Um, How's the paper in that? It's fine. Is it acceptable? It's fine. It's, a, it's, a, it's, like, it's like, I like, well, look at this. I, just, I do realize you work look in this. I have just random, la- randomly drew the bad guy from Princess and the Frog for some reason. I don't know why he's there, but. <laughs> you did that? I did.
0: Roy, Roy didn't do that before. Look, uh, look, like,
1: here's where I wrote House Plants about like you know when i'm going to water them what i'm gonna do i think i might even have a watering thing in here about like just when i thought for sure i was gonna keep a keep a you know good watering log never did that you have
0: so a lot of writing on like the right side totally abandoned of the journal but not the left well side. it
1: doesn't stay closed very well so i often have to oh
0: interesting yeah is it like i didn't know if that was like a bleed through or a oh or like i don't know i just don't know really do you just hold it I do down, down i know? do
1: have you know my garden um Kind of, a little plot? Yeah, I don't know if you can see that. But it's yeah, blurry, I blurry. have a little grid with all the stuff on there. But it's few and far between. Random doodles. Uh, I, but, don't
0: know, I don't know how y'all as an audience would look at this and pull anything no. particularly
1: helpful out of it. Oh, here we go. very specific to Drew's scenario. Here are some... Uh, these are notes for a toy accordion. This is how to play the Muppet Show theme. Oh yeah, the uh, on... ocarina,
0: I think it was called, right?
1: No, no, it's just a toy accordion.
0: Isn't that ocarina a small accordion?
1: No, an ocarina is like a whistle. It is? It's a it's a not a whistle oh, but a a, 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 flutey a thing. A fluty thing? It's a blowy so look, mouth it up. mouth noise thing. Ocarina. So, yeah, Justice, this is this is this is absolutely Oh yeah, that's not at all. That's an accordion.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I have some plans for my son's Halloween costume last year. That's a so it's just a random mess. It's a vessel flute. Anyway, I That's will an say ocarina. that my 2023 plans <coughs> include simply journaling regularly. I want to buy a 2023 or, you know, whatever date. It um, doesn't matter because they're not dated. Uh, Five year journal from Lloyd's the some lines a day. I want to do that. And I want to just set aside some time every day to write something, just Mm. one sentence. Some
0: lines, just write some lines. That's it, that's the goal. Every day. The
1: goal is not to have a fancy journal. The goal is to achieve a routine. That's all I want.
0: I had a fairly solid some lines a day that I did for about two years. You did two years every day? No, there's some gaps in there. Oh, okay. And then the gaps started to get Get bigger and bigger. And then it was to the point where I was like, this isn't really a some lines a day. This is a some lines sometimes. And then I did, that was years ago at this point. I maybe want to see. Like, maybe
1: we need to create a new journal that's called Some Lines Sometimes. Some Lines Sometimes. Some Lines Sometimes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's Rescue Rangers, Brian. I was trying you to place. It. I was
0: like, you got it. Uh, I made At first, I was like, Darkwing Duck? No, Aha. no, that's not it. Okay.
1: All um. right. That's it for me. Um, thank you, Justice. But uh, no, uh, journaling at all is going to be my goal in yeah. journaling.
0: My, my journaling situation is a disaster. My nothing goal to, is to have a journal. It's nothing to seek inspiration from. My problem is I, I try to use a lot of different journals so that I can speak of them and have experience with them. But what that means is that I end up having notes that are spread all over the place. And then I, they're completely unreferenceable and I lose track of them. And it's very scattered. Yep. Much like my brain.
1: Familiar. Anyway.
0: Um, okay. <clears throat> First off, I'm going to apologize about the mic issues. Apparently, that saga continues. I think we're learning that the problem is me. Um, that I gesticulate too much when I talk. And I apparently smack the table. I play with the mic. I do all kinds of incorrect things. And despite being chastised regularly by my team, I just can't change who I am. And I like to fiddle with stuff. Nor should you. Um, well, I mean, I don't want the good, the mic good the- folks at home to suffer. So oh. um, we're trying this new arrangement here. We have these mic arms, which we've used in various situations before. The table that we use for shooting this pencast is a little weird. So... It's a bit odd in where I have to put it, and it's like kind of blocking where I normally put my computer. So I don't love this arrangement, but we'll try it. And if you all are like, "Wow, game-changing audio setup this week," keep this up. Then I will take one for the team, and I will deal with this. I can
1: tell you are you are nearer me than you normally are. Well, I I am. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. I That's either fine. need to
0: be like really near you, or I need to be like way because away. You have computer. Because the computer, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I'm making, I'm doing my best, making it work. Put got the pop filter on.
1: Pop, pop. Anyway,
0: yeah. So if this doesn't work, f- forget it. I'm just, gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave. Yeah, we'll just gonna let course. Drew do this on his own because he sounds fine. Um, Okay. Uh This feedback is from Shaza Girl ninety eight o three. Brian, the story of how you and Rachel met melts my heart, and I wonder if many of your followers all said. No no, at the same podcast time, if there is such a thing as destiny, this is your moment very, very cool love story. I agree, I think it's a very cool story, and it's one it's not lost on me either. I knew like as it was unfolding, I was like, this is something special.
1: this is this like is your density
0: this is my yeah <laughs> this is my density that's right um, but anyway, I really appreciate that thank you uh anna strasco seventy five eighty one subscribes to Fountain Pen YouTube show, learns about TIG welding, MIG welding, building roads out of logs, the greater DC area, pillow couches, and corgis. I like that.
1: You yes. Get,
0: uh, well, you, you talk long enough, you're going to learn about all kinds of things.
1: That is what Anne did. She, but, she thought she was going to get one thing, and she got one thing and lots of other things. I mean, we
0: do talk a lot about fountain pens too, right? We do, we like do. Like, we
1: try to. A uh, half and half, I'd say. <laughs> Some weeks more than others. Yes.
0: We'll be a little more fountain pen heavy this week, i, I Think, uh, and the last one is from Benzia Azuras for ink funny names. I thought for sure you guys would mention mention Sailor Mano, haha.
1: I mean, it literally says ha. Doesn't get more much, much more funny. That than was just one ha-ha. of those things. Like
0: it was just hiding in plain sight. We were just we didn't see it. It was yeah. too obvious. But uh, Manyo haha. That is a funny ink name indeed.
1: I wonder if I could just start saying haha every time Sailor instead Manio, of ha instead of haha, or say it different every time sailor manio sailor Lermanio, sailor
0: Mano. See, that's more of a giggle. That's that is, a that's, not,
1: that's a hee hee.
0: And that first one was more of a gu- <laughs> the second one was more of a guffaw. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know all the I don't know the names of laughs. I'm just being dumb. All right. Uh, okay. Now let's talk about some actual pen stuff. Moving on to our segment for new stuff. All right, Drew.
1: This is a crazy one, Brian.
0: We are—we got all kinds of things happening in the new stuff.
1: This first one, though, man, hold on to your hats. That's
0: right. Uh, the Visconti Tutankhamun limited edition. This pen is pretty epic. The pen is epic. The display is epic. There's a
1: whole lot going on.
0: Uh, so it's it's commemorating the hundredth anniversary of the discovery of King Tutankhamen's tomb. Uh, so it is a you know, the 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 style of the pen is not. Totally dissimilar to what some of Visconti's done on some of their crazy limited editions in the past, where they have like an ivory resin with scrimshaw uh, in it. However, they backfill the scrimshaw with enameling, so uh, it's like a colored scrimshaw which has the designs of some of what you see on the inside of King Tut's tomb. So, some meaningful um, artwork there. Uh, it has ceramic-fired enameling over vermeil, gold, sterling silver. Lots of things happening on this pen. Um, very complex pen to manufacture. I can imagine extremely time-consuming, and it looks just amazing. So, the like uh, enameling and stuff is made to emulate the jewelry, the necklace, and stuff like that that uh, the king thought was wearing. So, uh, and then the the pen display itself. Has this like olive wood base with this like gilded sarcophagus with a clear display where you can see the pen. Is it
1: glass or plastic? I
0: don't know, actually. I didn't like tap on it, but either way. I think it
1: might be glass. Yeah, I could be. Like the the Visconti um, Il Magnifico ones. Yeah, those with, are... With yeah. the frame, like yeah, the solar, yeah. Those are glass in there. All it's right, probably glass. Not All like right. it matters. I don't know why I'm hung up on
0: this. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> either way, it looks like nothing else. No. Um, it is very impressive. The only thing that would impress me more is if it came in a box that was, like, filled with dirt and you had to, like, excavate oh, it out of the box. That's a good idea. But that would obviously be a total disaster and would, <laughs> you know... Not not farewell for the pen itself, but that's about the only thing you could do to make this pen like even more fitting to the theme. So um, I don't think this is going to be a pen for most people. It's wildly impractical as an everyday writing instrument. Wildly expensive. And it's very expensive. But for a collector item and for a talking piece, uh, it certainly hits that mark. So go check it out. Just go look at the pen, if nothing else, because it's it's
1: wild. It's more affordable than the actual sarcophagus.
0: Well, that's true, as most things probably are.
1: So a bargain, essentially.
0: Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, anyway. You know,
1: why do they call him King Tut, but the name is Tutakaman? Like, wouldn't it be King Toot?
0: That's a good question.
1: Can we can we commit to doing that's that? There's probably a reason
0: why they didn't go with King Tut. I'm just guessing. <laughs> you
1: looked at me and said that so seriously. You no, know,
0: I'm just... <laughs> I didn't know how serious of a question that was for you, but, uh, you know.
2: King Tut. Uh,
0: Okay, Um. moving on. So Sailor, I mean, Sailor doesn't come out with a lot of new pens. I know we've been waiting for a while to see one. Oh, man, I forgot uh, about Sailor. <laughs> they haven't been doing anything. Uh, but they have another new pen. This is a North American exclusive called Follow the Mermaid, um, which, I mean, when you see the pen, you're like, yep, if I was going to make a mermaid-themed pen, that would do it. So it's a, in the Pro Gear and Pro Gear Slim body style um it's got a sparkling lilac body blue green cap and section white finials it's got a bicolor nib which i'm a big fan of yes Those bicolor nibs. absolutely they look so good it's got all seven standard nib sizes for sailor and it just looks really nice so you can go check that out we've got it uh i think we just launched it what this week
1: right so, yeah um, um i know that right? i uh, yeah. promoted it today yeah. so wednesday i think we just yeah. A tuesday a couple days ago what day is it i don't
0: know it's tuesday in f- filming land it's Friday when this goes out and it could be later when you actually watch this who knows um, anyway so go check that out it's pretty cool and then last one I have uh, nope not talking about those because they're not here yet so never mind we have more pens that I'm going to talk about <laughs> in the future when we have it ready for them what do you got Drew?
1: a new swipe Brian a new to swipe this one looks good this one looks really good it is the best swipe best
0: swipe of the bunch I gotta say you might be right i am you right you might be right oh i the, this the, isn't for debate the prussian blue this is, looks this is good a statement of
1: fact. but yeah i i do think that this one is a little bit better if the prussian mm-hmm. blue had the translucency that this new ice blue has that might win but the okay. translucency like it does give you that ice blue vibe it looks like ice it is very much a winter yeah. vibey pen oh yeah but if you love the twisby swipe this one or if you've you know been what, waiting for a color that speaks to you this might be the color
0: you know kind of reminds me of drew Reminds uh, me of uh, Batman Forever mm-hmm. when you had uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as that, Mr. Mr. Freeze. That
1: was Batman and Robin.
0: Oh, you're right. That was Forever not, was Two Face and Riddler. That's right. That's right. Okay, you're right. But uh, they were both Clooney, right?
1: No, one was Kilmer. Oh, Forever right. was Kilmer. Forever was Kilmer. Clooney only had one movie.
0: Man, see, I don't. I got to get. I got current on my stuff, Drew. I'm. You out don't of, need to. I'm out of sorts.
1: I'm sure that you remember them fondly than you would if you watched them now.
0: Probably. I remember the Batman Forever soundtrack. That thing was oh, on point. Got some
1: seal on the there. The music we, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very nineties. That song was. Yep. That was yeah, that was good. So yeah, that reminds, that reminds you of Mr Freeze's suit.
0: Mr Freeze, yeah. Let okay. me just get. I didn't like look it up. Let me just refresh myself. Yeah, it's pretty fitting. I mean, the blue's slightly different, but it does kind of remind me
1: of. Yeah, the, I can the, see that. Yeah, I can see that. It just. So, yeah, all the bad puns. Yeah,
0: it's pretty. I mean, that's look at his yeah. face. That's pretty.
1: That's pretty. Pretty Mr. Freeze. Pretty dead on. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good icy pen. It's the, you know, other than the color, it's the same same swipe, which is a good thing.
0: Let's kick some ice. Oh, my God. Wasn't his, that in line his in that puns, movie?
1: He had like so, bad. so many bad puns. So bad. It was so painful. <laughs> Batman had like a credit wow. card that said Batman on it. Like, <laughs> never leave the home without it. Wow. Garbage, garbage film.
0: Isn't he supposed to like have a hidden lair? Wouldn't you need like a home address to get a credit card I, with your alternate identity on it? There
1: are many things to take issue with in that film. <laughs> um, that car
0: was sweet though. That. It lit up. It yes. was stupid. It shot no. like a 20-foot flame out of the back of it. Uh, the original was one was awesome.
1: The uh, Michael Keaton car, that was the best. No, I like that. The Val, other one. That like Val Kilmer
0: one. Uh, it was like 30 feet long. You're like, how does that turn? How does that thing make a turn? It doesn't. It's ridiculous, but it was awesome.
1: Anyway, fountain pens. <laughs> uh, Twisby swipe, it's out now. Grab it. Also out now will be the Jinhao X159. We have the old not X159 in stock and that is just a brass jinhao a little beefy number six nib but the x159 is a plastic barrel pen mm-hmm. with a number eight
0: some other slight nib
1: so this is the same thing but also not at all the same mm. thing so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. redefine what you think the 159 is because this is new stuff and we'll have more on that later but it's out now grab it if you want it and then finally, also, this should be out by the time this airs, at $68, there is a new Monteverde Innova available. So the Innova was the uh, was first launched a couple of years ago to commemorate Monteverde's 20th anniversary, and it was done in carbon fiber and rose gold, came out in a couple different finishes after that. Very affordable pen for what you're getting. This newest one, though, is uh, not carbon fiber. It is a uh, metal weave. So it's a... Um, uh, the, the M... The Formula M, uh, what do you think? M could stand for mesh, Probably, possibly. It's like a, a... Monteverde. It's like a metal mesh. Um I would call it a weave more than a mesh, I guess, right? Same I mean, thing. Meshes, a mesh a weave.
0: meshes are weaved, right?
1: Yeah. It's one of those, but it, it's not lacquered. It is, you will feel that mesh. So it's a very tactile mm-hmm. pen. If woven. you like that, woven, yes. Woven, not
0: weaved. I don't Wo- think weaved is... No, a, it's not. That's not a word. Weaved? No. Weave, weaved woven. in and out?
1: Woven. If a car is... <clears throat> If a car weaved in between we, traffic?
0: Weaves, weaving? Wove, woves. What? A no, that's not
1: car right. car can't wove in between wo-
0: traffic. We- weaving. We- you're weaving in and out. Have you weaved? No, you've woven.
1: Wow. I this really car, don't. This car wove in between other cars? I
0: genuinely don't know what. <laughs> all of it sounds wrong. Uh, None of this sounds no, right.
1: Said it too many times. <clears throat> weaved. Weaved.
0: Weaved. Car, the car weaved in and out of traffic. Or yeah, I guess I've used that. Wove. It woved. No, that doesn't mean that's not a word. <laughs> that's not a word. It wo- right, wove? Anyway,
1: that, wove. That's available as well. The Anova at $68. It's a pretty solidly priced pen for what you're getting. Yeah, this is definitely the first metal woven pen that I have seen. Weaved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We- um, what
0: is the past sense of weave? I'm sorry, I'm like super tangent today. Past sense of weave. Oh, what in the world? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to find. You keep going wove wove is the usual past tense and woven the usual past tense he wove a basket
1: so weaved is not a word
0: she weaves cloth on her loom okay weaved oh is that a thing past tense verb to weave okay anyway I think you can use either maybe maybe that's why they all sound acceptable Oh, Grammar Monster. Okay, let's see. Sorry, you go ahead, Drew. Uh, No, no, we're done. We're ready for Q&A now. Oh, okay. Well, then forget this. Y'all can look it up. You probably already said it in the comments. We're just being dumb. Now let's move on to Q&A.
1: Okay. Our first question for this week comes to us from JoLynn. All right. And JoLynn is asking you, Brian, because this will become clear here in a moment. Okay. Can you talk about storage for Mm. your pens and the most functional way to store all of your pens? I have about 100 plus pens, both vintage and modern, in my collection, which desperately need a scrub down and a Drule toothbrush. I would like to find a a functional system that allows me to move pens in and out with ease and can be put up safely from tiny fingers. I have two kids under two, so it's important that they aren't displayed in the open. What enough. kind of cases do you recommend that can hold a large volume of pen? Brian, being someone mm. that does, in fact, possess a large volume of pens, mm-hmm. what are you going to advise Joe Lynn on?
0: I have not only had varying degrees of volumes of pens. You've had
1: varying degrees I've, of childrens.
0: I have had I have had varying degrees of <laughs> tiny fingers yes. as well to keep said pens from said fingers. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean... So I've had a couple different ways that this process has evolved for me personally. Um I of course am not your normal situ- <laughs> not your normal situation uh for pen storage because I'm obviously in this business. I've been in it for 13 years plus. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of pens, way more than your average person would ever reasonably have. But basically what I've done is I've like scaled my my pen system and just like duplicated the storage unit that I have. And just the more pens I have, just the more units I will end up getting. So I feel like the answer that I have to this is still fairly applicable to your situation here, Jolin. So um, we don't sell something that stores that much of capacity. You know, we sell some pen storage options, but most of the people that are looking for pen storage things from us – are, you know, people storing pens to carry around with them in like a practical sense. Not so much for like display purposes or like long-term storage kind of cataloging type thing. So we don't sell things that approach the realm of like furniture that you would store pens in, you know, that kind of a thing. And
1: our shipping department would love it if we did. I'm sure they would. They would just love it.
0: Um, So we don't do that kind of stuff. But... uh, there are some options out there for that kind of thing. But when you're getting into like the 100 plus pen range, there really isn't a lot of options for like commercially made 100 plus pen storage units because that's a pretty specific storage need. Um, So what I started out doing when when my pen collection was kind of ever growing is I just had like multiple large pen cases and I would store things in cases, which worked okay for a while, especially if you have like, somewhat of a theme or a grouping to your pens. You know, if you have pens that you like to carry around with you and use all the time, keeping that in one case, you have other ones that are like, you know, a certain collection. So you have like a Lamy Safari collection or whatever, you know, and you want to keep all those pens in one case. That can work, but I found that, you know, that's hard to like find things that fit that cleanly into different cases. And then for me personally, I am a very visual person in terms of my personal organization Um, which ultimately means I have clutter everywhere because if I don't see it, I forget I have it or I need to find it. I dig it out of a drawer and then I leave it on the desk and then it just stays there. So uh, me personally, if I can't like see it easily, then I end up just like rifling through case after case after case. And that's ultimately what ended up happening. What I found once, you know, I'd used like the Monteverde 36 pen case, you know, that at the time I think was like one of the bigger pen cases that we had at
1: the time it was, it was the biggest it yeah was this was the biggest eight, until we got Girologio. yeah
0: eight years ago or so maybe that was one of the biggest and most, most affordable mm-hmm. um, so that is that is one option that um, so I have like some specific products that we sell to recommend um, the biggest one they currently have is a Girologio 48 pen case which is 90 dollars which the the dollar per pen storage bang for your buck on that one is pretty good um, we used to sell the 96 pen case, which I have a couple of those, which I do enjoy, but I I will admit it's it's a bit much. It's like a pen briefcase that unfolds and trying to find something out of there is no more convenient than just multiplying your 48 pen cases honestly yeah that's true it's, it's a bit much just to, consolidated yeah so it wasn't super popular so we don't carry it anymore because they just didn't sell that great but the other ones you know the 48 pen case still does okay um, the Galen Leather has a 40 slot pen case that's I love that 95 case. bucks those are and the, like the quality of those is markedly higher than the Girolgio. yeah so Girolgio higher bang for the buck and it's still like decent quality still leather yeah. like it's still holds up but the fit and finish on that is not the same yeah the, the gi- leather's not Supple the forty like
1: pen case from Galen has that beautiful binding. It looks like on a bookshelf. It looks you like a book. It, yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's fantastic. yeah. Especially if
0: you're going to have multiples of those and you want to store them up on a bookshelf where maybe little hands wouldn't. It'd almost be kind of covert, like they wouldn't know what's there. Yeah, you know. Um, So if you store it up out of sight uh, or out of out of reaching range, could be a good option for you you know, but those 40 slot pen cases are 95 bucks. So really not a lot more expensive than the Gerologia ones. Uh, The Monteverdi 36 pen case, that's a non-leather option. So if you are not a fan of leather products, that could be good. That's 40 bucks. And then Aston leather, they're good quality leather too. The the biggest they have though is a 20 slot and that's 98 bucks. So not as much bang for the buck, but that one's, that one I like for carrying around. It's You know, it's a good carry around case, but there's other smaller options with both Girologio and Galen as well. Um, So that that worked for me for a while. Like I had a couple of years there where keeping pens in cases worked pretty okay. I did have one situation where I had, like I had an old desk in my old office. This was like the previous building, Mm -hmm. but the drawers in that desk were like made for hanging file folders. Mm -hmm. So like the drawers didn't go all the way up to like the top, so like the sides of the drawer only went up about halfway, and then it had like a wire rack kind of thing for yeah. holding hanging drawers. So what happened is I was like stacking all of my pen cases like inside that drawer, but like one of them slipped out oh. and behind the drawer. So I i basically like lost like thirty six pens, and it took me a couple of weeks I think until I finally figured out what had happened. It just slid and fell back. So very specific scenario to me. You're probably not going to run into that, but. That's maybe some of the downside of having things in multiple cases is you need to keep track of those cases and you need to – you know, if you're going to keep them away. And that's part of why I kept them there is because we had our kids in the office at the time. They would come in and grab all kinds of things all the time. So I wanted to have my pens that I knew were kind of safe and put away. Little did I know that where I was storing them was uh, the biggest threat to my keeping them safe. Precarious. It's all fine. I recovered them. But anyway, um, so – what I what I ultimately decided on once I got to the point where I was, you know, I think I was at well over 100 pens at that point, um, was I wanted a more of that like furniture style thing. Um, did all kinds of research. There was really no out of the box kind of option um, out or off the shelf option or whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, I mean, there were some like larger pen display things. I want to say like Venlo or something maybe it was like a – display case company that had some like pen options or something, but it was like $1,700 and it held like 80 pens or something. It was more for like fancy wood, glass top, like mm. that kind of a thing. I was like, that's really not what I'm going for here. And that price was not at all what I was looking for. So I wanted something fairly economical and just very practical. So um, I've talked about it before and I've shown it in various forms. We've shown it in, in some previous videos. Um, and maybe we can throw up a few pictures here or whatever. But basically I I found a piece of furniture from Ikea um, and we have no affiliation with them make nothing off of this recommendation but um, they have a piece of furniture essentially it's like a shallow drawer unit. Um, the drawers are maybe four inches tall somewhere thereabouts, which is just perfect for like storing you know pens in like a tray fashion. Um, so I bought that unit. It's called the Alex. They have several different like sizes of that one, but this is like the 26 inch by 26 inch basically cube um, that has oh, I want to say six drawers in it. And uh, it works really well if you get um, these, like, slotted um, – what are they called? Slotted display inserts. So it's pretty co- – it's it's an item that you find more in, like, the jewelry kind of, like, jewelry display world. Um, so essentially they're, like, plastic molded trays with a felt lining on mm-hmm. it that have, like, these little, like, slots in them that you yeah. can store. You know, I think they do them a lot for, like, when you have rings, when you're trying to display rings on, like, you know, that, like – tube type thing and you have rings on them and you lay them down in there. That's what Jewelry Store is using for. But I mean, it works great for pens too. So if you just Google, you know, slotted display inserts or tray insert, jewelry tray inserts, ring inserts, you know, that type of thing, you'll find something similar. Some companies might even
1: sell them under pen inserts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I found one. I think, I don't know if the company that I bought it from even sells anymore, which is why I'm not giving like a specific name. Um, But anyway, I had to source a bunch of those out. Um, So I basically bought those like slotted insert tray things and it really fit kind of well where two of those trays would fit depth wise in one of those drawers. Right. And then I would just cut the trays to fit you know, the, the width of drawer. And I think in one of those units, I was able to fit something like 250 to maybe 300 pens, you know, and that's not even like stacking trays within the drawers, which you could do if you really wanted to. Um, but if you just wanted easy access to all those things, now it's not a locking cabinet or anything like that. So, you know, for little hands, you may need to rig up your own locking system. Um, but that is something that's pretty off the shelf. I think that unit's like 150 bucks. Um, I think it was a hundred bucks at the time that I bought it. It's gone up in price as everything has probably yes. in the last like 10 years. Um, so, but pretty economical option. It's a couple hundred buck investment between that and the slotted trays. But for the number of pens at it stores, it's pretty tough to beat. Um, so, and now I have more pens than that. So I have multiple of them and they stack nicely and that kind of thing. So that's been a great solution for me uh, over time. Um, But there are some other creative things I've seen people in the community do. I've seen people that have found like old cartography, like furniture, like where they, you know, map displays and stuff like that. And and there's certain, you know, things like that that are like, I don't know, trays made for like dental equipment and, you know, Hmm. things, think of anything that you store that's like, yeah, like anything you store that's, you know, kind of flat and long, like that type of furniture could work really well. And there's a lot of people I know who will find them on Craigslist or eBay or that kind of a thing they'll repurpose them, refurbish them, whatever that can be kind of a fun project too um and you can turn that into the thing um tool chests as well you think oh, about right. like mechanics chests mm-hmm. or like toolboxes. you can find those pretty easily new or used those can work pretty well especially with some of those pen trays a bit of a different vibe i'm not sure if you want a mechanics chest in your like home office i mean maybe you do i mean it's I think it's a pretty cool vibe, but, um, you know, it would work really well. Roller bearing drawers, that kind of a thing. So basically anything with shallow drawers, you're going to be able to get pretty economically to store some pens. Um, so, uh, and some of those might even have locking mechanisms on them. So that could be a major plus of looking for that type of furniture. So, um, those are my recommendations. That's what I got for you. So.
1: Yeah, that that hits the nail on the head. I think the only one that I would recommend looking at as well is a company called Toyoka Craft. They are out of Japan and mm. they make some really sought-after uh, handmade wooden pen cases, specifically for pens. And uh, they're a little bit hard to get, but uh, okay, they're, yeah. they usually are at the San Francisco Pen Show, and uh, you can order them. But yeah, these are
0: like more along the lines of those like display.
1: Yeah, the kind one of, that I see the most is a uh one hundred pen case. They also have a, have a forty as well. So if you're looking for it right at a hundred, I know that in this case Jolynn says she has a little bit more than a hundred. Uh probably mm-hmm. wouldn't help Jolynn, but uh if you if you have a hundred or fewer, this is a good, you know, kind of fifty to a hundred dollar range. Uh they're really well received, good craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, nice this is wear. like a little
0: higher quality of a display item than yeah, like, an IKEA yeah, piece of furniture. Absolutely.
1: But uh, people really like those within the fountain pen community. So, you know, you check them out on Instagram and stuff. At least envy them, as I do.
0: (laughs) Nice. Oh, that's cool. They got some, like, ink bottle display. Yeah, it's a a, a cool company.
1: I I wish I had one. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, all right. Very great.
0: All right. Next question we got. This one's for you, Drew. This is from Ryuku21. What are your favorite fountain pens of each filling mechanism type? Also, which filling mechanism is the best. And I guess this answer is just for Drew. Since I asked a question, you get to answer it and I will uh, not answer anything, right? Because I don't, uh, I'm trying to skirt out of answering. them. Oh, no, you'll be fine. In fact, you had
1: your notes in here before. You know how sometimes I have mine in there and you're like, oh man, I think Drew influenced me a little bit. 100%. Like I'm having to avoid saying the same things you already said. And I'm questioning myself, like, do I actually feel the same way? Or am I only saying this because his notes are right there? So I don't know. But so cartridge converters, my favorite type of filling mechanism. Mm. I'm, I'm not, I don't need capacity. I like to change my inks out often. So mm. a big capacity does not interest me. There's a novelty there for vacuum filling, I guess, but I don't, I don't really, that's not a factor for me. So mm. cartridge converter, honestly, refilling cartridges are just fine for me as well. If the converters give me a hard time. So cartridge converter, my favorite, my favorite cartridge converter pen is my favorite pen, the pilot custom Nine Twelve. So, mm. uh, I just picked my favorite pen and it happened to be a cartridge converter pen. So there I you mean, go. That makes sense. Um, my favorite piston, internal piston mechanism is the Twisby 580. I, mm. um, like Brian already typed in, I, I'm giving it extra <laughs> points for its disassembla- disassembly? Disassembly? disassemblability. Disassemblable. Disassembly? Disassemble.
0: Disassemblability. Yikes. We've woven. We can't we've speak woved. today.
1: <laughs> it's ability to be disassembled. It's user serviceability. <clears throat> yeah, I, I value place. that a lot. I can. And I also, if I want a piston pen, I'd like to be able to see it ideally. Mm. Um, I don't know because I'm going to be a hypocrite because I don't need to see my vacuum pen apparently. But I do like the ability of the user service uh, asset that Twisby pens have. So that's going to be my favorite piston pen. Vacuum filling pen though. Um, I will say that the VAC 700 I don't love that one because of the the wide step. The grip is not super comfortable to me. Mm. And the uh, Visconti Homo Sapiens has to has to take the crown on this one for that's, me.
0: That's a very solid pen. It yeah. is.
1: And then also the Divina. I'm a big fan of the vacuum-filling Divina. I, a lot of the mm. uh, Divinas are, have a captured converter in there. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm trying to think of the mine, vacuum-filling my, my Desert Springs Divina, the uh, celluloid one, that has a...
0: That might be the only one that is.
1: I love it. I love it. It's That's got vacuum billing. Mm-hmm. You, you pull it. You pull the thing out. You press it vacuum. And then you kind of like can thunk the button to kind of make the button shallow. It's super cool. Huh? Yeah. I like it a lot. So I did not realize that. It's one of my favorite pens. Um, that is pretty. and rare. Uh, So, yeah, it's probably my favorite vacuum filling pen. Okay. And then eyedropper, I rarely, very rarely use eyedroppers because, again, capacity is basically the only reason to Mm -hmm. use an eyedropper. There's no other benefit to using an eyedropper other than capacity. In fact, that is the main reason, yeah. What other possible? That is the only.
0: I mean, simplicity would be one. You don't have to worry about cartridges or converters or anything. It's just. It's the simplest filling, simplest mechanism. It, you it, can. It, it's find. also
1: complicated with its issues and problems. I mean, like, it, who doesn't have problems? <laughs> I think it's more trouble than it's worth, personally. So I don't deal mm. with it. But I will have to say that I think the Preppy is probably my favorite, simply because mm. you can get that eyedropper ability, you can get that crazy high capacity at a really affordable price point, and you mm. can kind of mod. Is that yourself. an
0: eyedropper pen though? a cartridge converter pen you're i guess a, it is you're converting it to an it? eyedropper i guess it's as much a it's I mean, as much an eyedropper pen as it is a converter pen. yeah
1: i mean it, it's it's right? a uh yeah i guess if you're converting it to a converter you can convert it to an eyedropper but right yeah i mean really if you're talking strictly eyedropper pens there's like two to choose There's from. not that many that are yeah basically designed to Opus be this 88 diplomat nexus namiki emperor
0: there's probably others that I'm failing to think of, but that might be that I don't might be yeah. think that pretty we, limited, pretty, we limited carry pool, pretty limited yeah. pool. I
1: think as far as ones that we sell that are strictly eyedropper only, I think it's just those three. Okay. So prior to last week, it was only two. Well, okay. So that's my list.
0: Fair enough. See now it looks like I'm copying, copying yeah, you no no because, you had your nose in here first <laughs> um cartridge converter honestly there's too many options I, i'm mm-hmm. having a hard time deciding because it's no me too it's like the bulk of pens i mean right? i just picked my favorite pen yeah i mean pilot custom 74 is a very solid choice for me yeah. so i think that would be my favorite cartridge converter i do like the con 70 converter you get a high in capacity
1: you do get a high in capacity once is you fill a, it with a syringe it
0: is a more ca- <laughs> <laughs> you just barely have problems <laughs> that i don't have filling that converter I, I, it is a
1: complicated converter. its It's fine. No, I do know how to fill it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: you, yeah, you, yeah I have a video on how to fill it. Ideally, I do it's, it's really good. It's more complicated check um, it, needs to to it be. out. Well, you know, the best things in life are complicated, aren't they? <laughs> That's not an expression. I just made that up. <laughs> That's called justification. Um, piston pen. this was tough. The eco or the 580 uh-huh. is up there. I do love the user serviceability aspect of it, the disassemblability of it. However, the Lamy 2000 is a very solid choice. So for making it different than your choice, I'm going to go Lamy 2000 because it is a great piston pen. Absolutely. Um, Vacuum pen, Pilot Custom 823 is a very solid choice. All around, I like that pen. I do like, I mean, you, you can disassemble that one, but I always feel like, I'm flirting with danger when yes. I do that because pilot just really drives it home that they don't want people messing that path. Yeah, and it's, it's um, like
1: working in customer care too, like you, you see cracked eight twenty threes far too often. It happens from
0: time to time. Yeah. It's not like it happens all the time. But don't, it's don't bo- get freaked out. No, no, no. But, well, but in,
1: in 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 that, um, in that job, in that role, your job is going to gravitate towards you. To
0: deal with exactly. The so yeah.
1: so you can't help but kind of like just like being a nurse or something if you right. see a lot of medical issues like in your personal life you'll be like oh my god this could be that this could be that this could be that you know one little mark oh, yeah. on your skin you're like oh my god i'm gonna die yeah so my, it does my it, mom
0: was an x-ray technician and it was driven into me like you're never riding a motorcycle right like that it was something that was never yes. on the table so now for me as a kid there now. are
1: definitely pens that i'm like <laughs> scared of just because of working in that department okay, fair enough for no mm-hmm. good reason other than just you know association
0: but it's a great pen. I love that Absolutely. pen. Absolutely. But, I mean, for a – I'm also a tinkerer. So in terms of, like, tinkerability and just taking my parts pen all the time, th- it's tough to beat it with be. So that one's also very solid. But if I, I think if I had to pick one, I w- it was an all-around, like, enjoyable, usable pen experience. The A23 is is pretty tough to beat Amazing on vacuum pen. pens. Eyedropper, I went what the heck? I just said Namiki Emperor. I mean it's the best. I don't have one. I don't own one personally, but I can't you know you don't
1: own an Emperor yet.
0: I can because they're really expensive. Still Even ten, the cheap ones.
1: Ten, ten plus years, you'd think that one would just have happened to you.
0: I was trying I was trying to get my hands on a uh, Namiki Emperor Moonlight Rodden.
1: Okay, don't shoot for the stars or anything.
0: I mean, if I'm going to get an emperor, that would be the one. I mean, yeah, I guess. But, like, they're impossible yes. to find. Oh, absolutely. Impossible. And it would have been crazy expensive. Not even justifiable. Oh, yeah. But it didn't even – the, the offer didn't even That'd really happen. would be like the of a car. Yeah, it was like a personal contact who I was trying to get it through, oh, and man. it never panned out anyway. Oh. So I never had to get to the point where I was seriously talking with justifying oh, the price of it. But anyway – I mean, if I'm dreaming, right? Like, no, let's go sure. with that one. Dream big. That way, if I'm going to have an eyedropper pen, let's make it a Namiki Emperor Moonlight. Why not? Um, but yeah, there you go. Which back This one's the best. For me, it just all around, I I would have to go cartridge converter like you. Like Versatility. You have so many different options. Ease of use. You have so many so many different choices in terms of ways that you can fill it, you know, and that kind They're of thing. They're
1: generally easier to clean, too. Um, yeah. A yeah, lot like with, with Twisby, yes, you can take all those apart, but... Other piston pens, vacuum pens, mm-hmm. uh, user I mean, serviceability is not at the forefront of their designing the, principles. Even
0: with a Twisby, you still need like the wrench to yeah. get it off of there. And you know, like with the Vax7, vacuum, 7 with, with the too. 823,
1: I love that pen, but it's so hard to get completely clean. Every time you pump that uh, vacuum after you've done it, you get yeah. that spritz and it has a color tinge to it. And if you're like me, it just drives you nuts. I need it all gone. Mm. And, uh, you know, you could pull the nib and feed and get a syringe in there and just start blasting, but it's nice to be able to take it apart. Yeah, I hear or you. Or just stick with Cartridge converter.
0: Yeah. I mean, at least if you have a pen like, I mean, you can do this with the A23. It's not as recommended, obviously, but, um, you know, any of the Twisby pens, you can remove the mechanism, whether it's a piston or vacuum. You can remove that off the back, and you can just flush the pen out just like you would a cartridge converter with a bulb syringe. Mm-hmm. A bulb syringe is a total game changer for cleaning any pen that can accept it. 100%. So uh, that to me, like the cartridge converter, especially if you use a lot of different types of ink and you're changing it all the time, that is that is a total game changer. To before
1: you know. buy a fountain, before you buy a fountain pen, buy a bulb syringe and just be like, okay, what will this fit? <laughs> that should be your second or step. One. So you're interested yeah. in buying a fountain pen. Step one: buy a bulb syringe. Step two: find a fountain yes. pen that'll fit it.
0: Yeah, or you might already That's have it. a bulb syringe <laughs> if you've had a child. No, don't use that one. And the, yeah, don't you, that. <laughs> you may not want to use the one that you sucked boogers up in, but sterilize it and then use it. you will be fine.
1: Oh, it's. Or, or we sell them for like six bucks. Yeah, it's, okay. it's it's a very affordable <laughs> object.
0: Um, anyway. All right, there you go. All so right. Let us know what y'all think in the comments too. This is a good uh, That's a good question that any of us can answer. Uh, next one.
1: Number three from Puneet okay. says, Hi, Brian and Drew. Loving the pen cast as always. I have a question for you today. Okay. Why is the blind cap on some piston fillers and other pens presumably called blind cap? That
0: is a great question.
1: Now, Brian, please help me because... I have heard people call many things blind cap so much that Hmm. I'm questioning what is even a blind cap.
0: Oh, well, I hope to answer that for you, but I will say like, I'm not the end-all be-all historical reference on all fountain pen terminology. (gasps) I've tried to do some research and stuff and I think I have a pretty solid understanding.
1: All right, lay it on us.
0: But it it could be up for debate Mm -hmm. as to whether a particular design of something is actually called a blind cap. There's Mm -hmm. no like regulatory body that says this is what you can call a blind cap and this is what you can't.
1: I mean, I bet it's the same people that decide what a flex nib is.
0: Yeah, or what ink is Mm blue-black? Is that just a navy ink? Does it have to be an oxidizing iron gall ink that starts blue and turns black? What do you do with that? Mm. What about washable blue ink? Mm. Is that a particular shade?
1: What is waterproof?
0: Okay, so there's a lot of things... What nibs are flex nibs? There's a lot of things in the fountain pen world. How about standard international converters that are all kind of different? So there's a lot of things in the fountain pen world because it's an enthusiast-driven, non-regulatory-bodied, like you know, the wild west thing. It, it is a little bit. It's more like sort of the community and the market dictates what's generally acceptably called things, and you know, there's all kinds of things that naturally evolve in the lingo. And over time, things get called random things, and sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't. And, and we couldn't even decide whether or
1: not the giant promotional Lamy statue had a cap or not.
0: Exactly, right? Like it's up for debate. <laughs> it's up for debate. So um, you've got to work it out for you. Here. I mean, I think we decided I was right, and you were just mistaken. That's not so the way I, I remember. I think it. now you have a better understanding <laughs> of that now that I explained it to you. But um, so the blind cap, from my understanding, is when you have some sort of filling mechanism inside the pen, and then whatever the filler knob is for that pen has a cap. That goes over top of it so that it is then covered up.
1: That's what I always thought. That's my understanding of a blind cap. But I would heard people say, like, unscrew the VAC 700's blind cap. And I'm like, that's not a cap. That's it's, just that's a the knob. Filler, that's the
0: filler knob, yeah. It's okay. Not, it's, yeah, it's the filler knob, but it's not blind because there's nothing covering it. Right, there's okay. No, there's that, no aspect of being blind, covered, being like, okay, not it's exposed. That like, makes so sense to me. Yeah. That's no different than any piston pen that you just unscrew the back and there you go. I could see maybe a little bit more of an argument or it's up for interpretation pen like the Lamy 2000 or maybe a Namiki Emperor or something where the filler knob is like so tight and fitted and streamlined into Mm -hmm. the pen that it's like camouflaged. You can't Mm -hmm. even see it, but it's still exposed. So I could see where some people might interpret that. As a blind cap. But it's not really a cap. you can't see the cap. Like a cap
1: is covering something.
0: That's my understanding of the terminology. And removable. Is that it needs to be a removable cap that's covering something up.
1: Otherwise, it's just a knob. Just a spinny knob.
0: Right. So that's my understanding of what, what is a blind cap. But... I did a little bit of Googling. I looked on, you know, some other sites that have a little what I would consider to be a little more credibility in terms of like historical pens, like Richard Binder's pens, which, you know, his site, richardspens.com looked on there. Didn't have like a lot of detailed history from what I was able to see about, like, where did the terminology of blind cap come from? I even looked on the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website for the terms blind cap. I found a lot of things about window blinds. I found a, <laughs> l- <laughs> I found a lot of things about uh, hunting blinds oh. and, uh, and various caps for like bottles and equipment and, and apparel and things like that. But I found nothing blind cap related to a, a pen. So again, I think it's, it's kind of an obscure thing. We well, get an A forever. Most found, found pens. Thank you. I really tried, y'all. I really tried to do some research on this. And I'm sorry I did come up pretty dry. But uh, all I really have to speak on is my understanding from just talking to a lot of people and seeing a lot of pens in this industry. So for whatever authority that's worth to you, um, it's my best understanding that the blind cap is a cap that screws on to the back of a pen that covers the filler knob for usually either a piston, perhaps a piston converter, or or. I don't. I don't even think a vacuum pen that so I they can think of has a blind cap.
1: Actually, do that anymore.
0: It's not common. We it's don't really actually. The only pen that we have on our site currently that has that is the Noodler's Conrad.
1: Yeah, that has a blind cap. It's a cap that covers a knob. It's a
0: cap that covers the piston knob. Right. Okay. So there's a blind cap. There's a modern example of a blind cap. Um, do you remember the uh, Delta used to have something? I think it was Delta had something like called the Converter Plus, where it was basically like a blind cap. That, that removed off the back of the pen that had one of those like fancy converters, yes, I like think, the metal back to I it. I think
1: that some Mayora or Nutinos do that. Yeah, too.
0: yeah. Which is like, you know, similar, similar uh, founder maker mm-hmm. uh, that did that. So that's, that's a situation where I've seen it on a converter. So you can use a cartridge or converter on there. The the cap still unscrews off the back, but it's not. So that's a blind not cap. covering. That's I would consider that to yeah, be a blind cap because it's still covering the filling knob for the the and mechanism. It's, and it's an actual cap. And it's an actual cap. It's yeah. removable off the pen. <clears throat> so those are the situations where I can recall them. I there's other vintage pens that I know have blind caps. I don't. I can't think of. I know the um, what is it, the Schaefer snorkel? Maybe maybe that was built in though. There's other blind caps. It was a little bit more of a vintage thing. It's not common in today's designs to no. have that. I think just the better the technology is better and the materials are stronger and stuff like that where, you know, it's just not really necessary. So it's kind of a design element. And also
1: the the, the ones that just give you access to the converter. Like I don't see the – You can just real, unscrew the body right. of the pen. It, you're yeah. just doing the same motion with your fingers. You're just – yeah. Do you unscrew thing was, A or it's thing a, B? I think
0: it's kind of a novelty, you know. It really is.
1: I personally just not have the novelty and pay a little bit less for the pen.
0: So, I mean, the argument I could make with the converter thing is sometimes, you know, with a standard international converter, if it's not threaded, you know, some are, some are threaded, but if it's not threaded, you're kind of like banking on just the grip of that little end of the converter holding the pen on when you're Mm -hmm. going to fill it. Whereas if you have the, if you have, they're holding the body of the pen, there's nothing to fall off, right? There's, you're not going to lose anything in the bottle of the, the, you know, so you still get to unscrew the, so, I mean, but it's like,
1: more to hold on to, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You're
0: you're sort of like solving a problem that doesn't really all exist. Right, that all right, all right. So an argument could be made, but you also just have a converter that fits on well and yeah. then it wouldn't be a concern. Yeah. So that's about the only thing that I can really think would be beneficial there. But um you know, so I think that uh it's not again, it's not very common. I was gonna say the main advantage to a blind cap is it I guess it protects the filler knob from maybe being unintentionally twisted when it's being handled or if you have it in your pocket or whatever. I don't think that happens Or it might a lot, just be an aesthetic thing. But, yeah, I like, think largely it's an knobs aesthetic. Are,
1: knobs are not as attractive as a nice uh, flush, you know, extension of the barrel.
0: I guess, but you can also design a knob to be
1: flush. I think that's the direction they went. So, I, you know. Like, like, the twi- like the 580, for example. Like that yeah. knob is a very flush, congruent piece of the pen.
0: I think, it, to me, it kind of falls... In with something like a like a lever filler, mm-hmm. like lever filler was a technology that existed at the time that it did. It served a purpose for what it was doing, but as soon as better technology came around, it wasn't really necessary anymore. And so there are vintage pens that have you know that aspect aspect to it, and there may be a throwback every now and then in a redesign that that has that as a novelty. But it's not really required anymore. I would say that blind caps kind of fall into that same category, which is why you don't see a lot of them anymore. I think that's about right. But, I mean, probably a lot of people still call them blind caps because I guess in their placement and in their, you know, somewhat of their functionality, it's similar to like you would have as a filler knob on a vacuum pen or something. So I guess people are considering like it's a knob that somewhat feels removable because you're pulling it out so far from a vacuum filling pen. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, I I can see. I wouldn't like chastise anybody But I I believe the blind aspect to it is it's actually being, you know, it's like covering the filling mechanism. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. That's my best guess. All right. No, that's sounds good. I could be wrong, but that's my best understanding. And I found nothing in my research to dispute that understanding or confirm it, really, because there's not much out there, which I guess is why we get asked that question. So... Let's just go with that. I was I was actually just talking with uh, Ethan earlier today. We were talking about uh, converters and like standard international and how it's sort of standard but not necessarily standard because he was looking at the swipe and it's like, oh yeah, that's standard international that really only fits the swipe, you know. So we were talking about like we need to we need to like start like the global authority body on fountain pen like terminology and stuff like that because like. So, 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 so you know it 's like so confusing, all these different terms, all these different yeah. things i was like let 's just let 's just do it let 's just become the authority and yeah. just dictate that and uh we 're not actually going to do that, but I was like it would be nice you know, if that kind of, happened. <laughs> it's
1: kind of like uh, the term pocketbook. You know, now it's mm. some people call purses pocketbooks, even though we they absolutely do not fit in pockets.
0: What is the difference of a pocketbook?
1: Well, I think, no, I think a pocketbook at one point probably did fit in a pocket. At log- huh. olden days, it probably was a small wallet size. I thought wall- it was like wallet a size. purse that
0: like had pockets in it. Or no, like- no,
1: I think it used to be a small thing, but it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and now they became purse. but people still call them pocketbooks 100%. Oh. They're not, um, hmm. Unless I'm wrong, maybe you're right.
0: Or I'm thinking like maybe what's like like a backpack versus a book bag. Did yeah, called a book bag.
1: Yeah, but but I get what you're saying. I, I'm trying to think of things that fit that blind cap thing yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. they used to be called something and we still call them that even though they're no longer that thing. I'm sure mm. that there are other examples of that. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Or All like
0: right. my kids are like, why do we call shorts shorts, but we don't call pants longs?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> because they're regular. Yeah. They're and why standard. is it why is it pluralized?
0: It's one piece of clothing why is it called pants
1: yeah that's right
0: tell me i don't know i don't know i
1: go don't know figure. man go figure
0: somebody needs to make the authority on this so there you go blind cap i'm laying down the gauntlet there right you go. there cap that covers a filler knob okay question for you drew it's from emily M- emily Eli. is it true that you can't write with other people's fountain pens because everyone's writing style
1: is different I'm so glad she asked this because this is not the first time How I've heard is this, this. still cycling around? I don't know. Is 100%. Who's still perpetuating this? This is not the first time. I think someone else asked me Oh, it comes up all the time. Yeah. No, it's a myth. It is absolutely a myth. It is an obnoxious, ridiculous, insane myth. Unless you give your pen to a person that grips it like Shrek and tries to <laughs> murder someone with it, it's going to come back to you in, a pretty, mm. in the normal step. um it, these things are steel and, and very strong gold. Like uh, simply writing with them properly is not going to do anything other than maybe not write If they're using a really funky angle, if they're using a really funky angle, it's just not going to work for them. But it's not like they've now made it theirs and they're the only one. It's like finders, keepers, whoever thus possesses mine fountain pen is (laughs) doth the owner henceforth. Like that's not the way it works. Mm. That's, Ridiculous.
0: I can see where maybe some of the origin of this may have come up at one point when, I don't know, I have no historical basis for this whatsoever. But there was a time when fountain pens were basically the primary writing instrument. Everybody used them because they had to. That was just what you had available to you. Mm -hmm. Once ballpoints and other things came about, fountain pens became a little more obscure and a little more expensive and, you know, that kind of a thing. So – I could see in a time where things were starting to transition and then maybe there were some people who were not as experienced with fountain pens but still wanted to use them, try them or whatever. I can see it being a great excuse for people that don't want other people to potentially ruin the fountain pen because they don't actually know how to use it and they're going to mash it down or ruin the nib or something like that. I could see that being somewhat of the basis of logic of like, oh, well, you can't you can't use my pen because it's, like, specific to me and, you know, you're going to ruin it if you do it. Which, like Drew said, it's like, if you let somebody borrow your car, yes, they might drive differently than you, but they're not going to, like, fundamentally change how the car drives unless they like, smash it into a brick wall. Like, unless they do something that actually damages the car, they're not going to do anything to that car. It's going to make it drive differently yeah,
1: certainly not a, than what
0: you would drive.
1: Certainly not a stock fountain pen. If you have a customized nib that is added flex it's been thinned out it's been made a double triple extra fine and with those nibs yes the alignment is going to be very very sensitive to yeah. anything different if you give it to somebody who writes at a weird angle it could come back slightly slightly off and you could feel it so the more again, that's
0: only if you're like <clears throat> actually changing or altering the thing if you if you're writing it with the pen with the pen as it's meant to be written yeah you're not going to do anything no to that pen. If you're like, giving
1: it to somebody that knows what they're doing and they're writing with it normally, your pen's yeah. going to come back to it be, you just fine.
0: It would be to go with like the car analogy. If you had like, I don't know, a, a, a car that you like lowered and it had slick tires and it was meant to be like driven exactly, on a track. Right. You don't take that off-roading. It's been customized to drive for a specific And also you don't,
1: you don't let your mother-in-law drive it either. Right. Like, exactly. That, that, that's a very so like, specific thing. I
0: can see in specific. You're not going to beso- be like,
1: hey, yeah, granny, take this to go yeah. pick up some extra but mashed potatoes. But, it, but it's
0: nuanced. <laughs> the, the idea that like all fountain pens conform to the way that you personally write. Think about that. Think about that for like five seconds. I
1: don't want to because it's crazy talk. How,
0: how differently do you think a fountain pen can write? Are you telling me that millions or billions – of people that could potentially write with a fountain pen that it would like conform so differently to your writing style like That's come magical. On. Come that's that that's no.
1: No. Malarkey. Absolutely crazy. Hogwash, yeah. as they say.
0: Unless you're just outright abusing it and ruining it, you're going to be just fine. Let people borrow your pens. Borrow other people's pens. Use it, be respectful, be conscious. If you're letting somebody borrow your pen and it's clear they don't know what they're doing, coach them a little bit. It can be a great opportunity to be like, "Hey, you don't have to so rather than being like, don't press it so hard, being like, hey, you don't have to press it that hard. Yeah. Like this thing is just going to flow. Like it's a great instructional time and people can be like, oh, wow, this is neat instead of like, oh, it's this intimidating thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard plenty of horror stories about coworkers, you know, grabbing somebody's pen and just ripping off a <laughs> threaded cap right? or somebody, you know, just taking it and smashing it down and just totally ruining the nib. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about yeah. writing. Well, we actually writing with yeah. You know, that would be
0: like if somebody was like, you know, oh, can I like, you know, play your piano or something and like picking up the chair and like smashing it on the keyboard. <laughs> right. Like I'm playing <laughs> piano. Like, <laughs> no, you're not. Like, what that's happened not, to your piano, dude? Oh, that's not let somebody how somebody else play it. But oh, like, you know,
1: you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Keys are everywhere. Like,
0: I would think of it like a, a, a fountain pen is a writing instrument. Yeah. Like, I think more than, almost, yeah. more than almost any other type of thing that you write with, you could consider a fountain pen to be a writing instrument. Just like any other instrument, yes, it can be tuned, it can be customized, that kind of a thing. But anybody who like uses it mildly appropriately, you're not going to fundamentally change how that instrument plays just by somebody else playing that instrument. Right. But you're going to play it the best if you get familiar with it and you use it all the time. So it's much more the person that conforms to the pen than the pen that conforms to the person. So there you go. There we go. Use it, share it, enjoy it. Fountain pens are made to be used and loved.
1: Excellent. All right, we got a twofer here to round things out, Brian. Yeah, but they Question they're like, number five. They're kind of similar. And I added these in here because <clears throat> while we have addressed this before, not everybody is going to listen to nor should listen to every pencast. So. <laughs>
0: oh, I disagree. <laughs> you listen to them all.
1: Um, so we're going to cover ink expiration. Uh, Einzel.com says Do inks expire? How long can we store our inks? Is there a way to prevent them from getting moldy? And then mm. Hazemka says, what is the shelf life of bottled ink? What signs do you need to look out for before it gets mold? So this is a pretty frequently asked question. Um mm. people always post, you know, on Reddit, other places, whenever they have a crazy, sludgy situation, oh, yeah. and that gets people worried about their own stuff. So they ask oh, yeah. and you know it gets oh, perpetuated. So um yeah, figured we'd tackle it <clears throat> another time.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's kind of two parts to this, right? There's like how long will an ink last like realistically? It's not like all ink is going to eventually become moldy. Like that's not, that's not how inks, like that's not their ultimate future. That's not their fate. Right. Exactly. Right. Like certainly that can happen. And like Drew mentioned, when it does happen, particularly if it's in like a dramatic visual fashion, that's what's going to get posted online. And it's going to perpetuate like a fear cycle.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've got inks that predate the company. Oh uh, yeah. In your office. Hundreds that, that of That are it- not moldy.
0: I mean, how many thousands of inks have we sold here over the years and how many handfuls of them have actual like mold yeah. issues? Now, this is one so that, that I will cheap. say
1: 100%. It's okay for you to say it depends.
0: Well, I mean, I didn't even put that in my notes. What? Yeah, Because yeah. I mean, ink
1: storage and use has a lot of variables there.
0: It can, yeah. But there's some very basic principles to right. ink storage Pulling that are pretty us. solid. So yes, obviously it, it does matter how you store it and how you use it somewhat. Like if I only Uh, eat my pens
1: outside and leave my bottle open, you know, for my entire writing session while I'm out of the park.
0: Yeah. Then you're more likely to (laughs) potentially experience. One might say I'm inviting some. Yeah. Yeah. You're organisms. you're, You're not doing everything you can to prevent, You know, potential contamination from eating my sandwich
1: and my crunchy Cheetos over top of my, my private reserve, wide mouth ink bottle.
0: There you go. That's right. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) Um, I'm just picturing like Cheeto dust mixed with ink, like on your fingers into like a slurry. Oh oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, So first off, ink is, it's a water-based liquid, right? So in in reality, the dyes and the other stuff that are in. So I'm going to talk first about like just the storage and the expiration kind of date of ink and then we'll talk about mold as a separate thing. Um, So ink is water-based, you know, it's an organic material to a degree. Um, And so it's going to degrade over time. That's going to happen. It's not intended. Fountain pen ink is not intended to be like a permanent ink. And in fact, even inks that are intended to be as permanent as possible are not truly permanent. They will break down over time. They are a physical thing. They break down. If you want something that doesn't break down as quickly carve it into a stone tablet. Yeah, I mean, or the paper is gonna break down. But it will still break down. Something's gonna break down. So it's really just a matter of how long does it need to last from a practical standpoint? And then is that meeting the purpose? And beyond that, it's great. Are you trying to pass down your inks multiple generations and store it for use in the year 2047? That, wait, yeah, that's not that far in the future. Like 2407, that's what I was going for. Like that is you're going to have to go to much more extreme measures for storage to try to make something last that long because it's going to degrade over time anyway. But in a practical sense, you don't have to go through the craziest of things to try to store your ink. But there's some basic principles that are pretty important. Um, so there is a shelf life of some sort to these inks and these dyes that are in the ink, but there's not a specific like expiration date that ink makers are putting on these bottles of ink. So it's not like you buy milk and you have an expiration date that milk is going to expire, you know,
1: this ink will self-destruct?
0: I mean, it will maybe, but it like will be within a span of a, probably a couple of decades, not like a specific date that it's no longer good. And there's too many variables that happen in the meantime. So anyway, most ink is somewhat intended for a mildly immediate use, I'll say. It's not like most ink makers are saying, yeah, this is an ink that's going to last. It's not like... When you make whiskey that's supposed to last like – be like 25-year-old whiskey or wine or something, you're like you're going to put it in a cellar and you're going to store it for decades maybe. Ink makers are not are not making ink to be like used and stored for that length of time. So it is made to be used. Um, and for that reason, they put um, biocides and things that are you know intended to increase the longevity and decrease – you know, contaminants and other things from growing in the ink um, for a rather like relatively immediate um, uh, length of time. So, I would say totally reasonable within a two to five year span. You really don't have to worry about pretty much any ink. If you're going for longer than that, okay, you may need to take some additional steps when trying to store your ink. Um, and the biggest things that are enemies. For a long ink life. So the things you want to avoid. I think that's probably the easiest way to the noid. Frame, it, frame it. Avoid the NOID. Um, UV exposure. UV exposure, sunlight, or even just you know UV lights just in your office or your Sun home. Sun is the enemy. Yeah. Any light is going to break down specifically the dyes in the ink. Um, it's not like you're necessarily going to have like mold and stuff that will happen in there because of sunlight. That's other issues, but what's going to happen is that UV exposure is going to break down the dyes and the ink is going to fade over time. It's going to change color a little bit. Um, So that's the main thing you're trying to avoid with UV exposure. And that goes for ink in the bottle as well as ink on paper. So if you have writing that you've done as well that you want to last a long time, don't keep it out in exposed sunlight for extended periods of time. It's okay. Use your notebooks, read them and all that kind of stuff. Don't worry about that. But you don't want to like leave an open notebook of something very precious that you've written by an open window for years because it's going to fade pretty much no matter what ink. Um, Moisture evaporation. So if you don't have your bottle capped tightly or if the the seal on the cap is not tight or you just have a really, really dry environment and you're leaving the cap off for extended periods of time over a length of time, You can have evaporation that happens. Now you can do it to a degree, reconstitute that ink because the dyes themselves don't evaporate. It's the the water in the dye that's going to evaporate. Um, That uh, can be reconstituted, but how accurately can you do that to get it back to its original color and so on?
1: Let me ask you a question, Brian. If I had an ink that I knew I was going to store for a long time and I questioned the integrity of the seal, could I make a mark? on the side of the glass where I knew the level to be at the time of storage and then say I revisited it in a year mm-hmm. or two. Yeah. And then I would, in let's say the ink level, lo- the level was lower. I could just add water up to the line.
0: That potentially, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's probably the, one of the better ways to go about doing it. Look that. at
1: me. I just came up with one of the better ways. That's not a bad idea. Look at me.
0: That's not a bad idea at all. You're welcome. If you think that like the process of storing it is going to, you know, cause some evaporation. Or
1: if I possessed any sight, any uh, degree of foresight, which I absolutely don't. Right. But I, think,
0: I think most of us mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe if you're we like. We all
1: intend to use the inks. Yeah, exactly. But we Like don't. how many inks do I have? Always. I'm like, do
0: I even know where all these inks are? No, I just have them in like shells and bins and all kinds of random places. And I don't remember the last time I used most of these. So yeah, if you have that kind of foresight, absolutely. Go nuts. Um, but yeah, or, you know, if you have like a, whatever, a swab that you did of the original and you can, you know, whatever, try to mix it back to get close to that. Um, so anyway, that's the thing. So moisture evaporation, you just want to be conscious of that. Um, extreme temperatures, particularly heat, because heat breaks all things down at some point. So if you, I don't know, have a bunch of bottles of ink and you store it up in your hot attic, It's not going to be great for it, you know, and that's only going to accelerate some of the other breakdown and some other potential issues you could have. It's only going to accelerate any potential contaminants. And if you do have any mold growth potential, that's only going to be worse in hot temperatures. Right. So minimizing that, just having it at room temperature is ideal. Um, I know some people that like keep it in the refrigerator or that kind of thing. I'm not going to say that that can't work. In fact, some inks like I know um, with Noodlers, like some of their inks are like made for low temperatures, like the polar inks and stuff like that. You can actually put them in the freezer to store them for long periods of time. That's not inherently bad. In fact, it will just like all other foods and things like that. It will actually extend the storage life potentially. The only downside to that, though, is those are very dry environments. You're more likely if the cap's not sealed all the way to actually have evaporation out of the ink. So is it worth it? I don't know. I would say probably not because then you're also just like taking up room in your fridge with bottles of ink and somebody might (laughs) grab it as a condiment or something. You're
1: removing one variable and adding
0: another. Yeah. To me, it's like not really worth the trade-off. And then the other big thing is contaminants, particulates, mold spores. Cheetos. Cheeto dust. um, Even just like paper fiber from your nib. If you're not cleaning your pen on a regular basis, every time you dip that pen back in there. You know, there's static electricity that happens from the metal nib when you're writing on the paper that creates a static charge. It actually attracts dust into the feed. It attracts dust onto your nib. And all that stuff that can attract on there, the paper fiber as you're writing, can, like, just tear up just a little bit at a time, kind of get in the feed, and you go and fill in the pen. By the time you get through, especially if it's a larger bottle of ink, by the time you get to the bottom, there's going to be some... Some stuff in there. Some schmutz. You know? So um, that is something to watch out for. And and especially if you're in like a – I mean we had one customer one time that I remember who had some issues with mold growing in their ink. And it was with an ink that we really had never had mold issues with before and it was kind of weird. Come to find out they actually had – they were like renting an apartment. They had like black mold in their apartment. So they came to find out. Uh, And so it was like they clearly had like mold spores in their environment. That ended up just kind of getting into the ink just from being around. Stuff grew in there, and it was like not a great situation for it them. Doesn't, it
1: doesn't take a lot. Right. So, one, I mean, one little catalyst.
0: So, I mean, there are biocides and things that are supposed to be helping with that kind of thing. But again, the environment can be a big factor. And that's something that is, you know, difficult for us sitting here at a table saying, here's what you have to watch out for, because there's so many different scenarios that could be happening across the world in terms of temperature and, 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 um, you know, environmental c- contaminants or whatever. So that's just something to generally be aware of. Um, so, but basically if you're storing your ink out of direct sunlight in a reasonable temperature and it's well sealed and you haven't contaminated like a bunch of stuff in there, it's going to store, you know, for a relatively indefinite reasonable period, probably decades um, without doing anything too crazy. It's not a guarantee, but that's the best strategy to making that happen. Now, if you wanted to like seal it up in like a vacuum sealed bag or something, great. It's going to do even better, you know, that kind of a thing. But, uh, you know, that's that's the best advice I have for just like a practical way of storing it. And most most things come in some kind of box anyway. Some boxes are clear. Some don't come in boxes. But if a pen comes in a box, that's all you need to do. You don't need to have it like in a box inside a drawer, inside a dark cave. You know, that's a bit extreme. But as long as you are not having like direct UV exposure, it will be fine. Um, and then for the mold thing, how do you tell if it's moldy or if it looks like it's going to get moldy? Well, you really can't do much if it looks like it's going to get moldy because it doesn't really give you an indication until it's moldy. And once that's happened, it's pretty much happened and you can't really bring it back so easily um so i haven't at least i haven't heard of like lots of surefire ways to like save a bottle of ink if it gets moldy i have not um smell is usually a pretty good giveaway i mean inks have sort of a chemically kind of smell to it anyway so many
1: inks smell bad even when they're normal they
0: smell bad but when you smell a moldy ink, you're like, oh, I thought I knew what a bad smelling ink was. But once you smell a moldy ink, you're like, oh, that's
1: bad. Yeah.
0: So it is kind of tough if you never really smelled moldy ink to know what bad moldy ink smells like.
1: But if you go smelling all of your ink, looking for a stink, you're going to find a stink. You're going to find some stinks. Yeah, Inks don't yeah. generally smell appealing. But. Well,
0: yeah, they're like... I mean, most of them don't have any kind of fragrance in it or anything. So you're smelling, you know, you're probably smelling the biocides that are in there. That's yeah. probably they're,
1: what you're they're, they're funky, but if they're funky in a different way than yeah. mold funky, that's a different funk.
0: Right. Um, so sometimes you'll get like white, kind of floaty stuff Yeah, that can happen on the top of and the ink. Yes, sometimes though there's fine. some
1: floaty stuff that's just like a separation. Like if it, like... Yeah. Something like, like what you'd see on, you know, you'll see something a little bit more oily. That can mm. happen, but that's not mold. Right. Uh, so sometimes you will see some floaty bits, uh, but it's But I'm not- talking
0: like... Fuzzy right. caterpillar if, if it, type, yeah. If f- it is a know.
1: white circle with a gray center or something like, like that, clearly like spores stuff of something you've growing on your running. bread. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah that, that's, a tell that's
0: usually a sign that's not great, and that will pretty much always accompany just a horrid smell. Yeah,
1: that's the stuff that that, smells that, that mildewy wet smell. Yeah.
0: Um, oftentimes, I don't know if it's that white kind of mold spory kind of stuff or whether it's something else, but if that stuff like falls down into the ink and gets like stringy and kind of globby. And I'm talking like you can dip a toothpick in there and you dip a toothpick in and you pull out what looks like the wet end of a Q-tip, like that big globule. Yeah. You're like, that's not liquid. That's not supposed to be in there. And that will often accompany a pretty terrible smell as well. That is a sign of mold. Um, There are, so those are pretty much the signs that I know of. I haven't really seen too much else. Sometimes if it's a really light colored ink, you might be able to see stringy, like floaty stuff around in there. But that is tough because there are things like shimmer inks and inks that have particulate and things like that, that if you don't really have an eye for what you're looking for, you might wonder if it's Mold, but really, it's not as this particular. It's like sometimes there can be chemical reactions with certain dyes. Like, if it's a really saturated ink color, I know this happens with um, Noodler's Dragon's Fire and Georgia Peach. There's like some of these like pinky orangey kind of colors. It's almost just like something cri- with the dyes, something crystallizes. Yeah, like crystallizes. It almost yeah. looks like shimmer. Yeah. Um, that is a mm-hmm. natural thing that happens just with the reaction of those dyes over time. That's not a mold. That's not a problem. So that's kind of specific, and and but you really can't see them unless it's a really light colored ink. Most inks are pretty dark, and you can't really see through it. So it's pretty much like fishing around with a toothpick. And toothpick is good because it's, it's not super absorbent. Like a Q tip, it's going to be tough to tell because it kind of looks like
1: also fuzzy. Th- things anyway, can fall off of that. Yeah, you uh, don't nothing want nothing can fall that. off of a toothpick. Really.
0: Toothpick is relatively relatively okay. Um, but anyway, so if you have that, or obviously if you're filling with your pen and there's like you have a hard time filling because there's like globs of crap, then you want to clean your pen very thoroughly, you know, ideally with some type of cleaner that kills mold.
1: Yeah. Um, But, you know. And any pen that it has touched.
0: Yeah. I mean, you think of like horror stories of like, oh, I've moldy ink and then it destroys all your pens. That really doesn't happen very often. I hear about that so incredibly rarely. The only time I've really heard about that is with vintage pens where there's like, you know, a rubber sack or some like, natural material like a casein feed or something like that and the thing sits in there for a while maybe it has an issue but i mean i also in my previous life i power washed houses and decks bleach kills mold like it will indisputably kill mold it cannot survive so like you dilute some bleach and you clean that through the pen you don't want to like soak it because bleach can also do harmful things to metals but if you just kind of clean it through with a diluted bleach solution That'll pretty much kill the mold spores. So yeah. you don't don't be like living in fear of like, oh, if I keep my ink too long, it's going to turn moldy and then it's going to ruin all of my pens. That is such a abstraction from what actually no. happens. I mean, it could
1: make things smell bad.
0: Yeah, it's not anything that I would lose any sleep over. Just have and if you go cognizance. and if you go redipping
1: into different inks, it can make different ink bottles moldy.
0: Yeah,
1: but like if you're using good sense and cleaning your fountain pens, and you're like not
0: with modern inks, it's not as much an issue. Like the modern chemistry with most inks is. Yeah, You just don't see this stuff I will nearly say, as much
1: anymore. From a customer care standpoint, we do receive more concerns about things that turn out not to be mold than we do things that genuinely do turn out to be mold.
0: Which, look, if you're ever concerned, please reach out yeah, to let us like know. a retailer or some pen professional it's always better to get a confirmation. Yeah. Our team has seen a that.
1: lot of pictures of funky ink. Yeah. So they they but it, they but can in term,
0: in terms of like actual mold issues that are really something to be of concern, <laughs> it's really pretty few and far between. Yeah. So there you go. All right. All right. Nah it takes care of all of our QA questions. Now we're gonna move on to our pen spotlight for the Jinhao X one fifty nine.
1: Yeah, let's go, man. What you
0: got here? All right. What I got here, this is the uh, Jinhao X 159. Um, The original 159 had a slightly different clip, slightly different center band. But the biggest thing is that it was metal. This one is not metal. It's resin. So it's considerably lighter, but it's still a very big pen. So I actually much prefer
1: personally. That that other one was heavy. It
0: was a monster. And I really like this one so much better. It's just a much more comfortable pen to write with. Um, and it's got a bigger nib. It's got the number eight nib. That that honestly was like most of the catalyst of why we wanted this one. Um, not the best lighting there. I apologize, but you know, you can see a little bit there. We're going to have good pictures on our site. And I actually intend to do a separate video on this anyway. So this is kind of a running gun style for us. Um, but we have the fine nib, one color, one nib size. That is what we have. Um I inked it up uh to do the nib nook. I use Noodler's black, so it's not the most interesting <laughs> nib color, unfortunately. But um it writes relatively smooth. Um I did find uh that the tines were just a little bit tight. Mm. Just a little bit tight. Nothing crazy did or did you do anything? Because um, when I
1: when I wrote with it earlier, it wrote great.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was fine, but I found that like it wasn't necessarily as forgiving on like the when I rotate it in my hand, the line gets a little weak. Or would have some like breakage in the flow if i held it at a certain angle i found that if i just pressed it just a little bit yeah. to, op- to open up those tines just a tad it would increase the flow just a bit and then it just i had fewer of those issues
1: it didn't feel super stiff to me like the the actual feel of the steel felt, yeah i mean it felt a little it's not a bigger not, pen not bouncy but i guess with the bigger nib you're going to get a little bit more Yeah, just a
0: natural like leverage it's not like a super springy nib or no anything. no but it's, it's also
1: not like a it didn't feel sharp or super rigid to me. Yeah.
0: I mean, it flows pretty well for the price. Like the nib is smooth. It looks like a much more expensive pen than it is. Um, And, you know, we've carried Jinhao for a while. This is on the bigger side of pens and the, the 159, we carried it in a lot of different colors back in the day, but they weren't super popular. They, um, you know, uh, had some different options and this nib was one that was newer to us as an option. And, you know, the bigger the nib, the more impressive usually. So we wanted it as an option. Um,
1: and, you know, this it's is my the only. First, it's
0: the only number eight? It's the only number eight that we currently have, I think. Well, the old, hmm.
1: I, there might be one out there that isn't identified as a number eight. Okay. That's similar enough. But this is like officially a, a number eight.
0: Yeah. It's big. It's a big nib. So,
1: yeah. I like it.
0: It's very inexpensive.
1: Let, let me take a look at that feed that is a big, chunky feed, too. It is a
0: big, honking feed.
1: Look
0: at that
1: thing. Yep. That's it's a, been, it's a stan- standard
0: international. Comes with the Jinhao version of a standard international converter. Right, exactly. Um, you know, so it's. I wouldn't take this converter off and use it on all my pens. No. But
1: it gets the job done. That that That's not a face sucker, is it, right up front? That's just a little
0: divot? A divot. I actually don't know. I don't know if that's like a pilot style where it fills from there. I'd be kind of surprised if it was.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: Because I will say like when I when I use it for the first time, it took me a, a, a little bit to get the okay. ink kind Because for through. a big
1: nib like that, a face sucker would be good. A face sucker would be good. I'll have
0: to look into that more. Maybe I'll research that more for my full length video. All but right. This is kind of a more run and gun first impression style of pen. I have very big hands um, and this pen is, it looks kind of normal sized in my hand. Maybe even it looks kind of big, but... It's, it's a big pen. It's a big pen. We have full dimensions on our site uh, and all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, all in all, I think for what, 15 bucks or around there that we're selling for, it's certainly worth a look. And I think if you want a like big pen that you can kind of carry around, and you don't really care if anything happens to it, then it's absolutely worth a look. I could recommend yeah, it. Yeah,
1: definitely. And a very affordable big nib. Probably the most affordable, largest nib you can get yeah. at our at our store anyway.
0: You know what we will have to try, though, Drew? Is like, can we fit that nib in other things? Oh, we're
1: going to find out. My
0: guess is probably not. I'm sure there's something. I don't know. On the Pilot Yerushi, maybe? It'll be something that won't
1: benefit (laughs) from that nib, for sure. Yeah. There will already be a better nib on the thing. This is going to be the
0: the lowest quality number eight nib you'll
1: find anywhere. Yes.
0: But, you know, still, it's, it's for the price. It's not too bad. No, not bad at all. Cool. All right. That's all I got for that one. All right. Now we get to go to Nonsenseville with what's happening.
1: What's happening? So I just have a funny random story to tell you. Oh, um, I was uh, my my son got a got some um, Halo the video game, uh, not mm-hmm. Legos, but the whatever the knockoff Legos are Mega Mega Constructs, Mega Blocks. I think or yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he was asking me about some of the weapons, and I'm like, oh yeah. Then then there's like a. Uh, I told him that, like there's this thing called a gravity hammer. He's like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. And there's this thing called like a energy blade. Wait, what? What does it look like? I'm like, well, it's kind of like a thing. So I decided to draw it, and. I drew something that was kind of like this. And you know, it has the little grippy thing in the middle there with like a yeah. like a handle. Um like I don't know if you can see it because it's so white, but uh yeah, right there. Yeah. Um it's like, you know, the the you grip it and it's got these two spiky things. Yeah, and he looks at it and he's like, that looks like a fountain pen nib. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? It's not a good drawing. (laughs) So it might have been that I have fountain pen nibs on the brain. But also, you know what? I'm proud of you. Just the fact that he's like fountain pen nib. There you go. Didn't say fountain pen tip. said fountain pen nib. So I was like, good job, my man. Raising him right. Good job, little duder. (laughs) So, yeah, that that was an interesting little little story. Um, On a sad note. uh, Ooh, bum us out, please. The the Green Power Ranger died. What? Uh, Jason David Frank. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, he's at, not of the age that you would expect he to was happen. only 49 wow yeah suicide wow dang absolutely tragic and I, I to he was in, like
0: super involved too like he was like he went to
1: oh yeah comic cons that was like his like thing that was, that was his, his hmm. main thing he was fully committed to being the former Green Ranger and loved it Didn't wasn't one of those actors that's like oh I wish I could be remembered for something else it's like no he's like I'm the freaking Green Ranger and the yeah, White Ranger I yeah, remember that Ranger. he did he did Hmm. And uh, I remember you—you you gave me my first Funko Pop. It was the Green Ranger because you know I'm—I right. I'm was a, a fan, huge yeah. fan. Yeah. So, um, and he was also a fountain pen user. Believe it or not. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I, I sent him some pens, and I, I had reached out to him, uh, in 2020, um, and because I noticed he had uh, posted something about journaling, and I was like, hey, do you journal? Because you know I got probably a better one for you. So I sent him a Lloyd Sturm, a, a, a white tiger pilot metropolitan because obviously. The white ranger. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, and then uh, I think I sent him a, uh, a VAC Mini as well. Um, okay. but anyway, he, he loved them. He wrote with them. He posted. He huh. tagged us. Like, it was super cool. And he sent me some videos thanking me. He sent me some autographs and, you know, autographed pictures. Hmm. Like. And then he sent me all of his original things that he wrote on when he first tested his fountain pens. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, it was just a really cool moment because I was such a huge fan of Power Rangers. You know, you you, you and oh, I we both.
0: Used, we used to like play Power Rangers. On yeah, the and playground. I was always
1: the Green Ranger. And I wanted
0: to be the Blue Ranger. Yep. And everybody was like, all right, that's fine because nobody was the nerd. <laughs> but you like Blue that much. I, I literally was just like, <laughs> I don't care. I just I, want like blue. blue. I want to be the Blue Ranger, <laughs> like going back
1: that far. But like he was like, like a celebrity deaths have never impacted me really. And because... Mm. It's like you you lose who you perceive their characters to be and who mm. they're famous for, mm. but like I kind of like I knew the guy behind this. Yeah, you like had um, direct contact with that guy. So this yeah. was weird. It, it mm. and and when I was a kid, he was like a hero, and yeah. it, it hit me differently. Hmm. And um, the the fact that it was suicide too, like really uh, crushed. Yeah, especially somebody who like you said goes to these events and spreads joy and love. It's just, it's Mm. really, really sad. So, um, one of those sad moments where someone so outwardly supportive and caring to other people was really tortured and suffering inside. Mm. So, Mm. um, you know, talk to, talk to people, you know, ask people how they're doing. Just, you know, just, that's just such a tragedy. And, Mm. uh, it, it did definitely leave me with some some bummer feels so Hmm. uh that was a thing and you know i bring it up just because uh, i was thankful to have you know given him some fountain pens and you know he seemed into that so Hmm. uh yeah normally we don't openly discuss any sort of celebrity you know customers but he's no longer with us so uh yeah Hmm. dang so no that's a shame but yeah that's thanks thanksgiving happened though Okay. Uh, Let's that was 180 on that one. That was delightful. Uh, no tragic deaths in the family, at least. Hooray That's for that. Good. Everybody's happy and healthy. <laughs> I, would,
0: I would hope you wouldn't be um, here if that
1: happened. No. Well, uh, <laughs> relatively small family. Like, I. Not, me,
0: not meaning that you would be the one that would. Have a tragic. Oh, I didn't take it that way. But thank you. I didn't mean it that way. But I was just <laughs> thinking, like, how did that sound? I would hope that you would take the time that you needed if that happened in your family. Of course. Okay. Let's get let's get away from that <laughs>
1: uh, whole topic. But yeah. easy, easy Thanksgiving. My grandmother lives like pretty much right down Route One here. Yeah. It's easy to get to. Maybe ten people were there. Um, it's still a good crowd. After yeah. my after my uh, grandfather passed a couple years ago, she moved into a townhouse and your condo whatever anyway she owns it it's one of the not a rental but
0: yeah you, know. you can own a condo or a That's yeah house. i think yeah.
1: yeah so one of those two you can own but, or rent both of those <laughs> well what's the difference then
0: uh the condo it gets very technical okay never mind the condo basically is like you because my parents live in a condo so and my degree is in property management but um, the condo basically like you don't own the outside of the building so like you pay into an association mm-hmm. that maintains the outside and usually they'll replace things like roofs and gutters and mm. they'll do all the yard work and the snow removal, all that type of stuff. But you own everything like on the inside oh, that's of the building. Is. A townhouse, you like, you're they're usually usually connected, but you own the whole
1: thing. Oh, okay. So there's a condo. Yeah. Okay. There's a condo. Okay, cool. Thank you, Brian. You're very welcome. Um, so it was- More, more obscure things yeah, for you to go. learn
0: about. Uh, who was in the beginning of the feedback there? Uh, uh, which one was it? Ann. Ann Strasco. Yeah. You're welcome.
1: So that, that went well. Uh, all my family gets along with each other, which is just really, really delightful. I, wow. I feel very That's good. Por- fortunate there. Yeah. <clears throat> so if that happened. It was good. Um, I made some cookies, some of my, well, it, it's not my grandmother's recipe per se, but I did use the recipe that she had, but they're called forgotten cookies. And mm. my wife was talking about how she really likes meringue um like okay. you know macarons and stuff yeah and and i said well have you ever tried mimi's uh, forgotten cookies and she's like no no those are weird those white lumpy things so i was like yeah those are that's meringue that's meringue and she's like uh, i don't think so <laughs> like yes that's all it is so i made them so the cool thing about them it's super simple it's just egg whites and chocolate chips sugar. okay um <clears throat> but nice. sounds good to me they're called forgotten because turn the oven on 350 okay put the cookies in there just meringue chocolate chips yeah. sugar and you turn the oven off and leave it overnight what yeah so they're forgotten you just leave them in there yeah you just leave them in there so they don't actually like it has to preheat like it has yeah, to get up to a certain temperature you preheat it to 350 but as soon as they go in you turn it off huh and forget about them interesting and they they just you sit there overnight they said you know you know about 12 hours or so and um you come back and there you, there you go you got cookies that sounds easy it was fascinating it was super huh. easy it was interesting um not challenging at all considering how few ingredients there were. And I'm wondering um, now why you didn't bring any of these in because I ate them on the pan because <laughs> <laughs> I ate them. They're gone.
0: So you're just like telling me about um, these amazing cookies. You can I'm make like, them, it you can get really the kids good. involved.
1: It's so super simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it it you can't really go wrong with them. So all right, just whip them up, plop them on a pan, forget about them. Love it. There we go. Sounds good. So that, that was actually pretty fun. And uh, mm-hmm. yes, Shannon liked them. And they're like, oh, these are meringue. Yay. What I think I'll do next time is use. Uh, mini chocolate chips though, instead of the big chocolate chips. Oh, yeah. Because they don't melt because they... Cause uh, you're, not really,
0: you're not cooking them for like a Exactly. Long they don't time. really have yeah.
1: enough time to melt. So um, they are large mm. and noticeable. So yeah. doing the small ones might make it less large and noticeable. But, Fair anyway, enough. We'll try something different. But that was fun. Hmm. A, little, a little baking adventure. Nice. Um, and I started a new video game, Brian, because I hey. finished Ghost of Tsushima. Um okay. which is the samurai game I was Where playing.
0: Cherry blossoms are yes, happening all, all the, the allergies time. in yep. the trees. Yes. <laughs> <That's
1: right. laughs> um finished that. It was an amazing game. Very environmental, very relaxing at times. Nice. Like I love those games that you can if you don't feel like fighting or battling, you can just kind of roam about hmm. collecting resources or something like that. If I'm yeah. just chilling. Or you're like, all right, I wanna I wanna go do something. I wanna conquer a you know outpost or whatever. Mm-hmm. That option is available to you. There you go. So I moved on to Horizon Two. The Forbidden West, oh. which is a post-apocalyptic game, but not like scary post-apocalyptic. It's like nature has taken back over post-apocalyptic. Oh, interesting. So not like a... It's a beautiful post-apocalypse.
0: Like modern Chernobyl. Yeah,
1: yeah. Where there's yeah, like... Exactly.
0: Like older structures kind yes. of taken back over Yeah, by lots of lush
1: greenery over hmm. like, you know, collapsed skyscrapers and things like that. Hmm. But essentially, it's an adva- a future civilization, but tribal civilization. So they have like leftover technology from mm. us essentially, like a slightly future version of us. But other than that, it's all tribal, but uh, very visual game, very um, mm-hmm. like beautiful, beautiful landscapes and stuff like that. And again, mm. you can just kind of roam around if you want to, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to go, you know, hunt some machine monsters if you wanted to. So Ooh, machine um, monsters. yeah, that that's harder to explain, but essentially the world is inhabited by machines that look like animals like okay bear machines and stag machines like
0: dino trucks you know that show yes
1: i do know dino (laughs) trucks not exactly like dino trucks (laughs) that's what i'm picturing
0: in my mind right now
1: uh dino trucks let's see more like they look more like the modern michael bay transformers
0: than okay dino trucks
1: horrifying well they're the enemies, I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, any machine. But animals. not anthropomorphic. Like, they still look like animals. But, okay, but right. that level of detail, All right. I guess. But wow. no, it's, it's a solid game, beautiful, and I'm excited about it. Um, and that, that, that's about it. I could get more detail, but that, those are the highlights of what's going on in Drutopia right Sounds now. it's
0: like a very solid. I think after how long we went last time, I think we've pretty much gotten everybody <laughs> up to speed on most of our happenings. Um, no, it's very solid. Uh, Yeah, for me, I uh, well, I was off. I took time off, which was good. Uh, I was needed. And uh, we had Rachel's whole family, whole family come and stay with us for a week. So that was very exciting. Actually, it was really great. Like normally when you're like, okay, we're all going to be together, probably some of us are going to like, you know, not find the endearing qualities as endearing by the end of the week. Maybe it really didn't happen on this trip. Like how often did you escape
1: outside into your shop? I
0: I would say that like the family, like now everybody in our family were like Rachel's parents are matriarch and patriarch of the situation here. So they helped out, did their thing, stepped back, didn't involve themselves in things that they didn't want to. That's totally fine. Um, Rachel and I, her sister and my brother-in-law, we were doing the middle-aged parent thing just in the thick of it with the kids and the hosting and the coordinating all the meals and all that kind of stuff. And then the kids were being kids. But like our kids, so Joseph's 12, soon to be 13. Ellie's 10, soon to be 11. And then my niece and nephew are seven and five. So they're young, but not like, pick up everything off the floor and put it in your mouth young
1: oh that must have been nice
0: so like and like our kids are the age where they can sort of be responsible for the cousins yeah at least tell them don't do that yeah and they can like hey kids go occupy yourselves and they can kind of take that direction and they have things that they're into and like the little ones look up to my kids Mm. so they want to do all the activities and all that kind of stuff so the kids like you know there was like a lot of coordination with the meals and the things and there were some fits and things that are natural but like it wasn't as like intense as when we were all dealing with toddlers and babies and the whole thing. Like we have been for the last decade plus in the family. So it was like, it was actually pretty great. And that kids respect. Do the
1: thing where they're pretty much eating a Thanksgiving plate with like a roll on it.
0: Oh, they had a roll and corn and yeah. mashed potatoes, but my kids' palates are getting there.
1: Yeah, Archer's was pretty much a roll <laughs> and maybe one other thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah well what are you gonna do our thanks so thanksgiving is a big deal in rachel's family like we literally the stuffing that we do we cook the stuffing like inside the turkey it's a whole thing old we school have this very special like gravy that we make
1: special gravy
0: yeah that like so rachel's dad was taught by like a world-class chef neighbor they had 30 years ago how to make this like gravy from the roux from like parts of the like using the liver of the turkey and the whole thing so it's like you basically like have to have like this specific like size of turkey to be able to make this thing so it's like it's a pretty special involved thing wow and her family's been doing it for like decades and the stuffing recipe that they do is like it's now like a fifth generational thing with our kids generation it was from rachel's great-grandmother what yeah Oh, my God. So, like, and then this is not, you know, this is much the family I, family I married into. So, like, Thanksgiving has been, like, their thing. Um, and so, yeah, it was a big a big. Tell thing. me that you had
1: some equally legendary-looking gravy boat for this stuff. Well. Because this needs to be, no, in like, we didn't. a chalice. Rachel
0: and I are, are in the process of buying. Because we don't You ooze. need to get
1: that man a gra- <laughs> the gravy boat of like, all gravy boats. Well, like,
0: when you have, like, a big turkey, like, dinner thing. You're using serving ware that you don't ever need in the rest
1: of your life. This is legendary. Like, like, like <laughs> this is this is heirloom gravy, Brian. It is. This man needs it like is. so we need a gravy need boat to shaped like up. a Viking longship or something. No, no.
0: Unfortunately, we we have inadequate gravy. Like support. seafaring vessels, yes. yeah, okay. yeah. So we're working on that. Yeah, man, we're working on that.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to that. I, I think I'm Rachel's already
0: ordered something. Because Now it's like because we never think about it the whole rest of the year. I'm personally and invested in this now. The lead up to Thanksgiving is like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on because this is also like the absolute worst time of year for us personally. Like, work gets the <laughs> busiest. Like in terms of yes, yes. remembering <laughs> these things, yeah. like just just functioning and making things oh, happen yeah. is like a minor miracle. And we have, like, so many family birthdays and stuff on top of it in, like, the whole, like, later November in through yeah. January. And you get Christmas thrown in there and all that. It's the busiest time of year for the business. We have our company anniversary around that time, too. There's just so much going Not on.
1: Not time for gravy boats. Not,
0: I'm, gravy boats are the last thing that I'm thinking <laughs> about.
1: I'm going to no, stay on you about that. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that Rachel. I, I believe
0: Rachel's already ordered something. Good. I don't promise that it's, like, a Viking chalice Level if it's gravy not, boat. If it's not, I'll, I'll have to confirm.
1: It's gonna be really. If if it's not good enough, it's gonna be really weird when that man gets a gravy boat from me, and it's like, who the heck is this man buying me gravy boats?
0: Well, we'll be like, I'm we'll, sorry,
1: I told him about the legendary gravy. I He's not, personally invested now.
0: I will not. I will not let that rest. <laughs> Until I have confirmed with you that I have an adequate <laughs> gravy delivery vehicle. It needs
1: to look like the fake Holy Grail in Indiana Jones 3. <laughs> you know, not the actual one, the, the the bull one that turned him into an yeah. old man, made his head explode. Yeah. It look like that.
0: Absolutely. I'm buying my grandmother. Uh,
1: we've decided we need to buy my grandmother some TV trays, some like foldy TV trays. Oh, yeah. Because whenever we go over there for, oh. like, there's never enough seating. Oh, you TV always,
0: trays. We got TV trays everywhere now. Yeah,
1: we yeah. need, there, there's always... But she yeah. doesn't have any. So people are like holding it in their lap, sitting on the couch. I'm like, oh my uh, God. Yeah. We yeah. So we're yeah. gonna buy her one of the things with a little yep. holder yep. thing. Oh,
0: yeah. I got I think I have two different <laughs> sets of those in our house. Yep. Yeah
1: it's like it's like fifty bucks at Target. Yeah, it's 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 worth it. We just need to do it. Nobody's nobody's taking charge of that. So I'm like, you know what, we're doing the T V trays. There you go. For Christmas. There you go. We're getting her some T V trays. There you go. Mimi's getting some trays.
0: That's right. Good stuff. Uh, I'll hold you to that. You better come to me for a pull right. on those trays. Yes, sir. Because you can get some crappy trays, and that's a bad experience for everybody.
1: Oh, it's good. Get, I'm getting the cheapest ones they have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If it were, this is this, this for somebody else. This is <laughs> not for me.
0: Okay, fair enough. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so uh, we had Rachel's family there. It was great. Um, chess was a big theme. Chess continues to be a theme. Played two games of chess with Joseph last night. And uh, I've been I've been playing more chess and I'm I'm getting a little bit better. Oh, so I'm, I'm, well, there we go. I'm getting better faster than my kids are getting better. So I'm like, OK, I can hold it off for just a little <laughs> bit. Like we'll see. But yeah, um, my brother in law uh, did not know how to play chess. Not at all. And I was like, hey, this could be like the thing from Thanksgiving 2022. You can learn how to play chess. And he was totally on board. So we pulled out the Super Mario themed chess board that we have. Nice. Our chess situation is wildly inadequate for how much we're playing it now. You would think the only the only game of chess we have two we have two chess boards. One of which is this Mario themed one, which is confusing because the board itself is white and blue, but the pieces are green and red. So which one's supposed to be white and black? And then also there's characters that represent the different pieces. But like the bishop for the white side of the set is Daisy and Peach. The queen is Luigi. The king is Mario. So it's like, wait, like, yeah. what's the scene? And like the pieces aren't even the same. They look somewhat of the same shape. And then the, the pieces for the black side are are, are the bad characters. It's Koopa and, right. and and Bowser Jr. And all and you're just like, <laughs> So my poor father-in-law, he knows how to play chess, but he was like why did you move that? He's like, I'm like, that's a rook. That's not uh, a knight. And he's like, oh, friggin', you know. So it's like, this set is pretty confusing. You would
1: think the Christmas <laughs> would be a good opportunity for someone to get someone a new chess set.
0: You would think so if someone doesn't already buy one. I haven't bought one yet, but I'm so tempted.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's like, do you buy one for the kids? Do the kids or Rachel buy one for you? The kids are
0: super happy using the <laughs> Mario
1: themed <laughs> one. And
0: I'm just like, it's like extra taxing on my brain because I'm like, what the heck? Piece what about they, again? they
1: make a Harry Potter Lego one?
0: Well, I, so Joseph the, might like that. The other Legos, the the other the other chess that I have is a Lego pirate themed one, uh, which is even less clear what the pieces oh. are supposed to be.
1: I, I assume the Harry Potter <laughs> one's pretty good because there's that scene in one of the movies where they're like riding chess people. Oh, I don't chess know, my there. kids
0: aren't uh, Harry Potter yeah. anything. Yeah, I so.
1: only saw the first two three movies, and it's one of those. Might have been the first one. Hmm. I don't remember.
0: Well, either way, what I need to do is get like a proper actual like chessboard that makes
1: sense you know they are probably still still want to play on the mario one they
0: are going to want to do that yes but whatever for my own sake you know it'd be nice but you know i so i my brother-in-law god bless him learned how to play this with his like kids asking for dessert and all that i don't know how this guy was like able to receive any information about how to actually play this game so i'm trying to teach him on this crazy mario chess set with his kids like asking for dessert and all this kind of stuff but he stuck it through. We played several games and he went back and they they literally like two weeks ago had bought one of those like chess and checker kind of like all in one things, you know, just because it was like, well, they could get a checkerboard or get like a chess and a checker. So I yeah, bought yeah, the yeah. chess and checker one. And so he the, he went home and was like pulling it out and like playing. And I was like, go ahead. Like it actually stuck. Like, so that's a thing now. Anyway. Nice. But it's pretty fun. So anyway, the chess theme continues and uh, I'm watching more YouTube videos and I have an account on chess.com. Playing some people online and so on. They have bots that you can play against. So you can play against, like, you know, uh, what's her name? Beth Harmon from uh, Queen's Gambit. You can, they, they, she has a bot, so you can play her. She's really good. I'm it, not good against her, but anyway.
1: I'm familiar so with her on Peaky Blinders. Oh, well, there you go. The actress. There you
0: anyway. go. Nice. Um, so yeah, um, that happened. Uh, but the whole like Thanksgiving thing—that's like there's like been like a passing of the torch to do the turkey and the whole thing. It's like an. Do you hour, have the gravy? Recipe? It's like an hours long situation. Yeah, like we uh-huh. last year we had an official like, okay, my brother in law and I we are going to like take the torch from my father in law. Was still, it like, on a scroll? He still helps. No, we did like video, like phone video footage. I mean, we have like the recipe written down. It needs to be on a scroll. But it's like
1: it's a whole process with a ribbon a wax seal
0: what century do you think we're in drew this is legendary gravy passed on from generation to generation rachel's great grandmother was not like from the middle ages
1: i feel like this 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 tome deserves (laughs) its due respect fair
0: enough fair enough um i'll work on that oh man Um, yeah we also made gingerbread houses so we had like all kinds of like crafting activities and stuff like that uh rachel found some so i was like initially i was like you can buy gingerbread houses that are pre-assembled houses. And then you basically just decorate the houses. And at first I was like, come on, can't even like build your own house. She said it was like $2 more. And oh my gosh, it made everything so much easier. Because we I mean, you're all with young kids, they're and all inedible like, anyway. You're trying to like glue the house together and they're like falling apart. And they get so upset. And they get so upset. This was like just a beautiful gingerbread house making experience. <laughs> so, you know, there's something to be said for that. So we did that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, did cut some trails out in the woods. Ooh. Did get some outside time. Um, prompted by my my father-in-law and brother-in-law. They were like just as excited to go out there because they live in like suburbia, yeah. Northern Virginia.
1: I would be too. They don't
0: like cut trails in woods anywhere. So just like getting to do that was like a thrill for them. And I'm like, great. Like I love doing it and free labor and they're helping me make you trails You know what and you
1: should do? Did you give them machetes? We didn't use any
0: machetes. See, I would be like, no. if I
1: had the trails that you had, I would be like, all right, let's go walk the trails. Here you go. your machete for you, machete for you. You know how exciting mm. that would be? Yeah, They'd like go back jungle, and like, I like, I got to walk around yeah. the trail. He gave me a machete and he said I could just chop down anything oh, I yeah. wanted.
0: Oh, yeah. We're using all kinds of crazy stuff.
1: Okay, good. As long yeah. as you have guests oh. chopping oh, yeah, fun absolutely. tools. Chopping things, cutting oh, things up, yeah. moving around, getting nice. dirty.
0: Yeah, absolutely that's the whole thing that's rad um yeah just lots of great like family memories and stuff like that so it was nice like there were like some separate rooms kids would play games or watch things and go people go into different rooms we'd be outside we'd do different things so i have a question for you you have to be
1: honest all right when you're out in the woods sometimes okay if you see a tree that's like 100 percent rotten oh yeah and you're like i could knock this thing down oh yeah do you just just uh, just plow into it oh yeah of course
0: Oh yeah. I'll oh, just man. like kick it or yes! push it over or I'm so
1: glad. Yeah. yeah of that course. makes me so happy. okay good. Okay. That's what I would do. That's tons of fun. You can't stop yourself. You're like oh my gosh, you're yeah. like you look at you're like I could I could I could knock that thing down. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>! Absolutely. <laughs>
0: And, like, most of my woods is, like, crappy pines and stuff. Oh, yeah. And like, tons of them are just dying. So, so, you, so. do
1: you, like, give it, like, yeah. a, a push? Like, oh, yeah, you're going down. and then Oh, yeah. You, and you can look,
0: yeah. you can tell, like, the bark's all falling off and, like, <laughs> yes. half the tree's already degraded. And, you're and, like, you just, okay. and
1: then you just turn into a lumberjack ninja. Yeah. You're like, karate. And you're like, I'm
0: going <laughs> to karate kid, karate kid this thing and just, like, yes. punch the tree down.
1: Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, you do feel pretty awesome when, you, oh, when that happens. I love that. Yeah.
0: Um. So that is fun. Um. Quick little thing, but that whole like leaf blower frame rigmarole thing that i yes, attached to the front of my world yeah snapped. you know how i broke it well i fixed it i welded the living crap out of it and reinforced it all and it's good to go again nice now that all the leaves have stopped falling so i've sort of like broke it right at its peak and then had to kind of do it and then by the time i got around to fixing it all the leaves are not falling anymore so
2: did you put next up any lights here
0: like christmas lights yeah Inside our house, we're Inside, starting to yeah. decorate. Yeah, we don't really do outside because we don't. We live kind of in the woods. And yeah, I mean, I guess. Really, a lot I guess if your at. family
1: came after Thanksgiving, that would be different. Yeah, they all
0: they all left like yeah. Saturday.
1: So yeah, that's after pretty, Thanksgiving. Unless anybody's coming over for Christmas.
0: Uh, we're. I, I don't know what we're doing for Christmas, but I don't think we're doing a big yeah. big old shindig like yeah, this. I guess so knows. I mean, we're gonna do stuff for us. We put up our tree when we like started decorating yep. it and all that kind of stuff this weekend. So, you know, it'll be a thing, but. Um, yes, did that. And then, uh, yeah, this is our busiest time of year. So we're just resting up, gearing up, doing a whole bunch of things. That's pretty much it for me. Not a
1: lot else. Yeah. I put up, uh, our lights. Um, I finally got somebody to come and look at the, uh, uh, the, the outlet that so will not be fixed. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> he came, he came, looked at the, uh, GFCI outlet on the back, opened it up. And like, there was definitely some evidence of some shenanigans arc, some, some arcing yeah Ooh. so one of the the uh the ground wire was okay. uh, no sorry no the ground and the uh positive no negative the white white's negative right white is neutral okay so the the black, ground black is the hot wire ground and neutral were like sooty so something happened he's like it's fine now but definitely something did happen in here but everything's Yikes. been replaced but he did say the 15 amp that I had would be fine to go in, that I can do it myself. So I'm like, okay, great. That's all I needed to know. Okay. Better safe than sorry. So I'm going to go ahead and just replace that. But the lights on the front of the house, completely unrelated. What? Really? They are just they were just legit broken from the power washing. Get out of Had here. nothing to do. Uh, both the, the GFCI is dead too. So there is a GFCI dead on the back of the house.
0: But it's not related.
1: Not related. There is power going to the GFCI. There's power going to the lights are so, they even on
0: the same circuit i don't know they totally might they, unre- they might be wow. i can't
1: i can't know because the gfci won't reset oh yeah okay so i can't tell the reset button's just like you said if
0: power is going to the lights then
1: so it's not yeah yeah it's nothing.
0: probably on it's on a different circuit it's just yeah. wow two completely unrelated things that so now you would I need think to, would be tied together So now i
1: need to get back in touch with the power washing guy and see if he can compensate me for the lights yeah because he did he did offer that earlier in the he year broke your lights yeah. but it's been like six months. So I don't know if he's still going to be cool with that or not. Mm -hmm. So
0: you'll just have to leave some, some scathing reviews on Yelp or something. And I mean, I thought about that. Like,
1: (laughs) well, I mean, I thought about that. He did say if, if if it it does turn out to be our fault, you know, we'll work with you. And if he does not work with me, I will say, Hey, this company did a good job, but you know, these, this thing happened and
0: this thing happened. I did take six months to get an electrician to look at it. Yeah, I'll be honest, but but I will, I will say something,
1: you know, But, yeah, so the saga continues, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. Need, to buy some, need to buy some lights with or without help. Mm. Dang. Yeah, Dang. but at least there are enough Christmas decorations on the outside where everything is adequately lit.
0: <laughs> there you go. We just leave those up for now on. Yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, cool. Well, that's what we got happening in our lives. We're at the tail end of things here. A couple of quick company, company updates, and then we'll get on our merry way. All right, so this is our busiest time of year. We have now kicked off things with our Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Cyber Week. I don't really know what to call this time right now. Even as a retailer, it's very unclear.
1: The word "cyber" seems a little, little dated. Little dated, yeah. No one uses that. Cyber
0: Week on the net, yeah. Exactly, like a little bit of same same, same late Mm nineties era kind of thing. Okay. Um, Anyway, so. That's uh happening. So we've just finished a lot of sales. I guess we still have some things on sale and there's good stuff yeah. happening on our site. We there, still have there products, are some stuff that are launching. Yeah,
1: like I think the Ferris Wheel Press stuff will be on sale for a little while longer. That wasn't specifically a Black Friday thing.
0: We got private reserve ink for all yeah, the alpha that's pens. That's gonna continue. Like, we have some things that are continuing, so don't feel like you missed out on everything. But we're not like we're not like doing super crazy stuff this year sales wise, but you know, there's lots of good things that were having happened and we still have lots of products to launch too that are coming especially in the next like week or two and then things will slow down a little bit kind of right up before christmas um so that's all happening and then uh, we've been a little lighter on the video side. We're shooting a bunch this week that we'll then have to like schedule out over December. Um, but we did get one out on the psychology of niche interests. This is
1: an interesting video.
0: This is a different different vibe than most of our other videos. More of a but very informative.
1: I, I I was entertained by it. Yeah,
0: I was entertaining myself in that one. So if you haven't checked that out, go uh, look at it. A little more psychology kind of themed one.
1: Um, Not about well, any specific pens, but no. But about I kind of
0: pen theme. It what you know, makes the bit? pen
1: brain? Yeah. Tick.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you can go check that out. Uh, and that's kind of what I have at the moment. And then we can go ahead and wrap this thing up.
1: We did have a really delightful Thanksgiving uh, event at work.
0: We did. Yeah, I didn't talk was, about that. That anyway. was
1: delightful.
0: Yeah, we had. A, we brought in some. Lunch, some catered lunch, and then we had a bunch of folks bring in it some was kind of potluck style so stuff to good. supplement.
1: It was probably the it was really good. I don't know if it was because we hadn't had one in a long while, it's but a few years, for yeah. me, it was like the best company event we've ever had. Yeah, everybody I, was happy, laughing. Yeah. It was just like was good. Uh, good vibes. All all the years of COVID well, It was like on our work
0: anniversary too. Yeah, that's like, when we just happened to work out on <clears> our schedule. It's
1: we have a really good environment here as an office. We really do, and it's one of the most amazing things about working here and, you know, being here for as long as I have. And then having, you know, years of it feeling not the norm and like missing that, that delightful X factor that this place has is just like, Oh, it's just not a, it wasn't bringing me down, but (laughs) I just, I knew what it should be. And we've had people that we hired Oh, yeah. during the pandemic and and there was this thing in my brain I'm like you don't know You've how like cool heard, it is heard
0: of like class like, events and stuff yeah i'm like oh there. you don't know
1: when we get together like it's so great but it hasn't happened and then it yeah. happened and it was amazing <laughs> like so many desserts oh my gosh I turkey so much food. ham i was
0: like trying so hard like okay so-and-so made this cornbread somebody, oh, somebody else made this, this cranberry stuff like i gotta try a little bit Hot of everything cider and i gotta try pot. everything that everybody brought in so oh, i can see man. how their cooking was but then it was like I ate so much food. I it was, was so, so good. I was like comatose after they had, that they had
1: They had they had mums decorating the kitchen area and then they just, they drew names and I got to take one home. Like, man. It's awesome. Just a delightful day. Just good a times.
0: delightful day. Good times. Yeah. Glad to be doing that again. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to wrap this thing up. We've got a re- weird fun fact for you. So hang in there for just a couple more minutes. All right. Well, thank everybody for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Um, ask us some questions. We always appreciate those. Uh, check out com and our YouTube channel and all these such things. Um, and you can email us at pencasts at com if you are an audio listener. Okay. My random fun fact, Drew, this one's credit to Adrian. She shared this with me. I had okay. not, I had not heard about this. So there's a big, big whoopsie going on for more than half a century. Okay. So in the Turkmenistan desert, there's a crater dubbed the door to hell. So picture a 230 foot 71 meter across hole I have a picture there for your sake. Uh, it's 65 or 20 meters, 65 feet, 20 meters deep. Um, that's been actively burning for more than 50 years. How
1: is that a whoopsie?
0: I will explain it. So its, it's history is somewhat up for debate. We um, didn't do that, did we? That's not well, a human thing. Yeah, well, yes. What? It is. I'll get to that. Um, its history is somewhat up for a debate due to the, I'll call it the lack of availability of Soviet records that were happening around the time of that expedition. Um, But it's mostly speculated that this hole was created or discovered around 1971 when scientists were exploring the area for oil deposits. Uh, They were testing different spots for oil quality, and they basically inadvertently opened up what turned out to be a natural gas deposit in this area. And natural gas is – poisonous when it's let out into the air. It's not good. It's not good for the environment to just like let it spew out. It's a very superficial natural gas deposit. So, I mean, literally like they were just like driving around their equipment and the equipment supposedly like like kind of fell into this like giant hole that was a natural gas deposit. So, um, you know, they it's poisonous, not good for the environment for it to just like spew out of there, so because uh, natural gas can 't be stored like oil, it has to be basically processed immediately when it 's kind of harvested, otherwise it gets into the atmosphere and like poisons animals and plants and things, so not great for that to happen, so burning it off is the industry standard method for dealing with extra so they did that um, on purpose, things. so they did it on purpose, yeah, it was because it was like okay well this this thing just sort of happened like it was an accident, basically that they exposed this deposit and um it uh the the best thing at the time they thought like oh, okay you know how much can really be there it's a very superficial deposit we'll just burn it off and probably after a couple of weeks it'll just kind of fizzle out well it's been burning now for 50 years and <laughs> there's no signs of letting up they really don't know how long it's going to keep going so um Yep, there you go. It's uh, become a tourist attraction, somewhat of a tourist attraction. And uh, it was even shown in some scenes of the 2014 Godzilla film. Oh, that was a good movie. So, yeah. Well, the, whatever scene, I haven't seen that movie, but whatever scene has I a fire pit in it or something. It's a gigantic, gigantic fire pit. It looks pretty rad. I don't remember that um, i anyway, about it I had never heard of this thing. And then uh, if you look at pictures of it, it's pretty, pretty crazy looking. Uh, That's insane. Yeah, isn't that wild?
1: that that that's like what would happen if you found it looks horrible if you found like the, the the main yellow jacket nest of the entire earth like i feel like that's what you would do yeah
0: this is pretty much when i see a yellow jacket nest this is basically <laughs> the image that comes into my mind there's a door with l um anyway that's your fun fact for dang the day. i did not know it it any of, of that i have never never heard of it but wow. yeah it's a thing
1: i've heard of that one city that is like burning underneath of it
0: Oh, that's in like Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, Yeah, it was like a mining accident or something like that. Yeah, that's still burning. Still burning after like 30 years
1: or something. Yeah, this is new. This is new. Yeah,
0: no, this is uh, somewhat natural, but also unnatural. Yeah, Yeah. definitely human caused. The solution
1: was unnatural.
0: (laughs) I mean, I guess at some point, probably that deposit would have just like spewed natural gas into the air and that wouldn't have been good. So, you know, yes, humans caused it, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this thing. Wow. Humans are doing all kinds of crazy things, but anyway, there you go. There's your ta- do with that what you will. Now you know about it. <laughs> I think that's all we got for this week. There you go. And we never really addressed our sweaters at the top of the thing, Drew. What we do you well have there? The is, is, is this, this is a be... new sweater? So it says Felice Navi Dad. Oh, yep. And it's got so it's a, like a dad. You got chainsaws. Dad, yeah. You got dr-
1: power drills. Drills. Coffee homers, cups. Coffee cups. Saws. Yep. Can and I have and one of those? I don't one. have one. Yeah. Right.
0: And then on the back. I don't know
1: if you can see it, but Pure just, dead. That's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> which is funny because I literally say that to Rachel all the time. Nice.
0: If I need to go to the dump and I got to tie something down in the back of the truck, oh, so many ropes are happening and all that, and I'm like that's not going anywhere. I say it all the time. So yeah, this was a spot on, Rachel. You're you you are very
1: thorough when it comes to tying things down.
0: I have lost things on the road before, so. Yeah. Remember that time, sure we, do you remember that time
1: that. we got a hand truck stuck in your old car and mm-hmm. you had to like take apart parts of your car to get it out?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a while ago. <laughs> but, yep.
1: That wasn't you, though. That was just a weird – that had nothing to do with tying it down, though. I don't think so. That was just It just like got wedged in stuff. a weird way. Yeah, wedged way. in
0: some weird thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah I thought happen. about you
1: the other day when I was um, decorating for Christmas and I was yeah. getting my yeah. extension cord all tangled up. And I'm like, man – Brian's got a very, very good method for wrapping extension cords that I could have used I right do. now. Yeah, I don't always get tangled up. I don't think I want any extension cord that's like more than twenty feet now because it's just, it's just you're asking for tangles.
0: I got a couple different methods for. I'm sure for you do. Extension cords. You but probably this, have an app for it. <laughs> I do actually have an app <laughs> for tying knots. Oh no, I
1: know you have the knot one, but does that one?
0: I'll, I'll look it up better. later, but <laughs> we will see if I. Grog knots, that's the app that I have. It's really good. It's really good. Anyway, that's all we got this week. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. Right on.